everybody. It's LOI Central with Dan and Johnny. You're welcome along to LOI Central. On today's show, we have SSC Electricity League Director Mark Scanlon as a special guest. Um, and if anything uh, can be judged from all the contributions we've had on social media and related questions for him, it is going to be a busy show. Thanks as ever to our sponsors, Future Ticketing. Um, we'll be giving away a few nice brews later on from the Porterhouse Brewery. Um, we have a winner as well. Last week's um, much easier mystery guest still prompted a load of bad answers. Some of them just, I don't know, very strange. But some good answers as well. I think we had 14 correct answers from maybe double that. Well, let's, well, let's, well let's, just to be clear, if people are listening, here was last week's Ministry Voice. Yo, I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. So tell me what you want, what you really, really want. I thought that was straightforward, then. Well, I mean, you would because we talk to these people, but we forget that, like, you know, maybe people have listened to the podcast, they might know that it was... That it was Mark Rossiter. But, I mean, again, the danger of these mystery voices that you assume yeah, that everyone, a- everyone is sort of programmed to your brain, you know? But um, we'll, have, we'll have this week's effort later on <laughs> in the show, the other side of the show. Who knows who it's going to be? We also have another new partner on board as well. We've got Collar and Cuff, um, which uh, suited and booted me for my wedding, actually, should be pointed out. Mm. Um, and they have their store... Well, it's in Hearts Corner, I think, in, in Glasnevin, near nearby Marketing, Oliver yeah. Marketing, where we record. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Collar and Cuff, the lads there, as they describe themselves, Declan Matt, an ex-League of Ireland player, wedding specialist, suit hire and sales, tuxedo rental, casual wear. The current suit supplier to Shamrock Rovers since 20, 2018, and more recently, Bows. So, I mean... What you know, more do you want? Hands across the border and all of that. If you go in as well, Declan will give you, whether you ask him or not, he'll give you an appraisal of his League of Ireland career and some of the characters he played under. He's yeah, a good, he, good old chap. Yeah, he played played for some kind of clubs that don't exist anymore type, typical League of Ireland player. But more to the point, people, if you are going to Collar and Cuff um, into the shop uh, there, um, you if you were to mention the LOI Central podcast, even in positive or negative terms, as a strange you will person. receive a free shirt and tie with all suits. So, People are back out there now. Any events coming up? Um, think of uh, think of Collar and Cuff. They have a website too. If you're outside of Dublin, mm. I'm conscious of that. But I suppose you can make a trek and uh, have a look and see what they have. Either. Maybe maybe Mark Scanlon will be going there. In due course, getting suited and booted. Who knows? Was it, we've, so we've had a busy old time since we uh, uh, have we have we have we used the word interesting yet? I'm not even sure, but it was a captivating Premier Division mm. double header, and we had some games in the first division as well. You didn't make Turner's Cross, no, which is unfortunate. It was it was very annoying, but like the ability to watch games for I, people are giving out. I, I I'm not on this argument at all. I think oh, to be able to watch go. a game for a fiver, so I could watch the game. Brilliant coverage from Turner's Cross. You get biased like commentary, whatever. It's fine. Like and watch the game on the. So TV. hang on, we've got a load of questions coming from Mark Scanlon about mm. the LOI TVs. There are loads of complaints and FAI contractor Johnny Ward yeah. is starting off the show with a very positive. I've been, I've been, cons- that. I've been consistent on that. But yeah, really, so, oh, well, I've got some questions on that. I'd, yeah. be, I'd have a contrary view to him. That. Yeah, the, and that's absolutely fine. So watch the yeah, watch the game on TV. Here, to be clear. Jane yeah. McGonigal's goal, perfect end to the game, and uh, then watch the game in Turner's Cross on the last laptop obviously and John Caulfield kind of parading the is it the St. Anne side of the ground because he, he was suspended he was wasn't suspended, he? but yeah. you could see like I think there were a couple of throw-ins where he was clearly like um, you know giving a bit of advice to the guy taking the throw and uh, it must have been an extremely satisfying win for him 5,000 people in Turner's Cross um, and then obviously disappointing and sad news after the game that Colin Healy had to take some time out from Cork City um, so no yeah, I wish to wish on. him all the best with that yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely not to be sort of 
um, flippant about. It's obviously sort of, a, and you weren't being, I know either. It's just like it's obviously. Mm. Uh, I think, and to be fair, actually, it seems like people have given it due space rather than making a big story mm. of it. If you know what I mean, yeah. and, and and sort of wish him all the best with that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I was at, I was in Derry on Friday myself. Um, for the the Jamie McGonagall game, as you might sort of remember, because it was sort of trickling away to being one of those early season one all draws that you sort of have, and I think it would have been fair enough. Yeah, you know, I think it would have been a fair enough situation. Like the the win was a big factor, and even I, I liked that. In spite of that, the game delivered some drama because it, the first half you're thinking, "Oh no, this is potential to be a sort of a dreadful spectacle," and mm. it wasn't the case. Um, and and you had that stage where Rovers level things up and you're thinking, yeah, they go on and win the game, they empty the bench, you know, good players coming on from everywhere and you sort of assume, you know, Rovers will win. I think last season in five of their first 10 games, they got goals after the 88th minute or late, like, or later or whatever, sorry, to to turn draws into wins or, or losses into draws. There's so a this, habit of coming from behind against Derry as well. Yeah, but this time around they lost mm. and... You sort of wonder, does this does this have some meaning? Now, there's a real danger that the Monday games sort of dominate your thoughts, and then Derry drop points at home to Sligo Rovers. Low. We have a lot of Sligo Rovers comments in the mailbag. We'll be offended by that language, but in the context of Derry, what they said on Friday, they said mm. this means nothing if we don't beat Sligo. So then they didn't beat them. That's obviously not yeah. true either. No, no, of that. course, of course. And then Shamrock Rovers beat Drawdown. and Jack Byrne looks amazing, and people think, oh, how do we stop them? But I think what you're seeing is a sort of a slightly as you would expect probably uh, an up and down start to the season for a, a lot of teams and um but it's you can have an idea maybe of who some of the weaker sides might be they might be down towards the bottom of the Draw table you see already looks a massive game well you, you would have thought so but mm. as a result like you know some teams have had harder starts than others i guess what i'm saying mm. so the chance to get three points on the board in a home match where you should win you know, can mask maybe your start to totally. the season too. So pa- Pat's going to the game against Rovers Friday now. They could they could have lost three games in a row come Friday night. This is mad stuff. Well, like. they should. We should we should just go straight into our mailbag. I mean, I feel like we should have some kind of sound effect for a mailbag. The more like mailbag for the future. We, 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 we're Let's working on the mailbag for, for future for future reference. We will get onto that because we did have a lot of feedback from. Uh, St. Patrick's Athletic fans and Sligo Rovers fans. Mer- like for, we'll give, we'll give, we're not necessarily going to do all of them individually and go through them, but just give a flavour of what people were saying. A lot of Pat's feedback was said, Repats, the service into Owen Doyle was non-existent last night. That was the Bowes game on Monday that would have been mm. referenced to. They were completely unable to link midfield and attack. That was Mervyn Feely, Eddie Lawler, Bowes centre midfield, 3-2 Pats. We were outrunning basic errors all game. The most infuriating match I've been to and I remember the Jeff Kennett era. Uh, Emma Nickel, sorry, I'll, yeah. we'll, 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 let's run through some of these and we'll, we'll, we can deal with them. Pats are in trouble, didn't play for 80 minutes on Friday and no shot on target last night. Recruitment has been per bar Redmond and Owen Doyle needs better service. Um, Alan Leahy, Pats lacking structure in the planet seems, not having a third midfielder in there with Forrester and Lennon is killing us. Uh, trying to fit a winger in as an attacking mid, this would have been Billy King. Yeah. And also desperately missing Barrett at centre-back um, and, and desperately... Uh, can see a bank we're moving to right back once he's back that would be a reference to Jack Scott obviously struggling for the goal now I do think to be fair right um, a little bit of an overreaction well here, Pats so. have had a, they have a very difficult start to the season mm. they've played Overs now on Friday they've sort of three big derbies in the opening four games um, and 
I, I suppose, like, maybe is this a reflection of overreacting to the opening game too, that they went away in shells, mm. they came second last year. Um, Damien Duff didn't like the fact it was said it could have been a 5 nil. He wasn't having that. Well, we'll hear about Damien Duff shortly, yeah. Mm. Like, the... the, the so there's a maybe there was an overreaction after the first game. There's also been an overreaction after these games. Tim Clancy like, sounded very frustrated on Monday night. Just reading reading the post match, like he 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 called out um, obviously without naming him. He called out Scott for letting the ball hop, and then he's like, "We didn't create anything." And he seemed to be like, "This needs to stop." Like you know, already we we need to improve on a lot of aspects of our game. Well, the thing is, like this is a tough game for him against Rovers this Friday, and mm. then and then I think the fixture list maybe again. Like if, if Pat's had the opportunity to play at home to one of the so-called weaker sides, you'd imagine you'd fancy them to win, mm. you know, and and then they'd have like five points or whatever, six points, you know, and you, you wouldn't be having this. But it, there's a slight concern. Like it was pointed out in the off-season that you're looking for a team to say be a title challenger, yet like four or back five has almost changed, you know. And I think, this, okay, a lot of criticism of Jack Scott and I'm wary of it. Like he's 19, he's new to the league. But these loanees are a bit of a mixed bag. Like yeah. Stephen Bradley up in the dock has just hit the ground running. Yeah. Uh, the Scott one. I mean, it was a terrible goal that he conceded. And he's shown he's shown a lot of promise. It, otherwise, though, in fairness, I know, him, like, but I he, think he's looked good for. But, but it's just well, I don't know. It seems to be mixed reviews. But mm. like, it, it was more a case of yeah, you're actually in men's football now for mm. some of these lads, and it's just that little bit of pressure and. Um, just you know that little bit of scrutiny or whatever it might be. And I did some, mention some Malin people sore and some of them struggle. Yeah, Malin and and Bose, To be fair, like the two teams that beat Pats, right? I think we should reference them here because they probably did, they, mm. they come into a lot of the the mailbag. Again, you would have had some grief of people saying, "Well, you're focusing on the team that lost as opposed to mm. Sligo Rovers." Did slip under the radar in the preseason. I mean, they did come third last year, you know, and they almost achieved it by going to Pats and winning at the end of the season, albeit Pats were second and maybe had their eyes in the cup at the time. But still, they they know, by all accounts, they went to uh, Richmond last Friday and almost did to Pats in a way what Pats did to Shells by, you know, defending quite sensibly, but then breaking out and, and picking their moments. And Gary Buckley and the new Kiwi uh, centre-half, by all accounts, yeah. Pinacker, I think, yeah. like did quite well. And they know, it, it's strange, like they would then go to Derry and they keep another clean sheet. I know they have Ed McGinty as well too, but you think of lean Buckley teams over the years, the perception of them being um, nice footballing sides, but maybe accused of not having a certain edge, whereas um, this time they actually looked like they're, they're more grizzled and experienced, well, you know Ma- what I mean? Ma- McDonnell in midfield, um, he seemed to be very, very good. Beautiful ball for the goal. And Keena just looks a decent Keena looks already. like a, a good one, yeah. Um, Sometimes levels are funny, isn't it, though? Like, you know, you, you look at sort of, you see, you look at players coming in maybe from under 23 league mm. and top clubs who maybe offended hard. And yet someone like Keena, who bounced around a small bit and was at Falkirk in the third tier in Scotland, mm. a great review. And sometimes like people say, what level is our league? I find it almost impossible. It is, it, it, is it suits some players and not others. Yeah. You know, you, you'll have a player like, you know, Owen Doyle, I think will be absolutely fine. Of course he will. And there's a big question about service, which it seems to be the point. But he's coming from League One, where he's scoring goals. 
it's not easy because it depends on just how your team suits you or what the sort of rhythm of your your team is. Your I, form. I, I think, and le- it is three games in, and I would it is say three games, but like, let's overreact to everything. Yeah, and, and, that's and, what we and, do. And League One is a bit of a mad league as well. Like, so it's it's so many teams in it, and the League of Ireland. I was uh, I was actually saying this we had on on the show last Saturday. The League of Ireland has its quirks as well. It's not something you just bang goals in straight away into, even though he's been away. For, no, no, and, and as you I said, know. I think I would have countered when he signed about expecting that as mm. well too. That there is a sense of just sometimes some players click into a groove. Like Shawnee Maguire's career was bouncing everywhere. And, you know, even at Dundalk, he couldn't mm. he couldn't land the blow and get into the team. And then he goes to Cork and he's the best player in the league. So someone like Aidan Keenan might just have been what Sligo Rovers needed at that time. And it's a perfect marriage. But I must say there is, from the Sligo Rovers message, like Dunner, uh, it's still early doors. But yes, we've completely overlooked... Uh, considering we finished third last season and retained the vast majority of the squad. But lost Mahan and Kenny. I mean, that's yeah, the point. Yeah. The disregard of our new signings because they were unknown players was disgraceful and lazy journalism well, by a lot of journalists. Yeah, but again... Like were you, we lazy on this? Well, I don't, what am I going to say about a fellow they've signed from Falkirk or some lad from New Zealand lad? Like, I don't know anything about them. I'm not going to lie, but like Liam Buckley... You could, you could go to Sligo and... and Spy on their training sessions. Yeah, but you that watch pre seasons. Well, Dundalk that would be awake in journalism. Like, and yeah, but like, if you look at Liam Buckley, um, every year he goes up my estimation in terms of management. Like, he does seem to have found good players again. And they, like Sligo, I, 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 I make this point a lot. Sligo Rovers for the. Uh, not this point about Sligo and Galway. They're just doing unbeaten. No, 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 sorry. no, no, they, no, no. They got into Europe two years in a row. Like, and now they look like they have a chance getting into Europe again. They're in an amazingly good place, Sligo Rovers. Like they, they definitely have European credentials again. Have they got in two years in a row? Yeah, they got, they're in Europe this season. They're in Europe last year. Oh, sorry, yeah. So they've sorry, qualified yeah. for Europe. They're going sorry, for three. You actually are right. I'm an idiot. Yeah. No, I, I sort of remember. I sort of, last season was this, and that was actually yeah. where the season went off the rails. Yeah, they did, did a terrible time. You had. Mahan, Kenny, and um, Bulger's dismissal in in Iceland, you know, mm. and but that that was the time when people were talking about them challenging for the league. They, they, went say, up to, they went up to Pats away without a game and deservedly won, and then they backed that up by holding Derry to nil all draw. That's an amazing start to the season because, like Derry and Pats, you'd expect I expected Derry, I expected Pats to beat them. I was thinking if they get a draw on Derry, they're doing well. They've started extremely well, like, and uh, who knows? They might have European credentials again. Yeah, and I will say now, Donald Oates. Is that Donald Oates who used to play for Sligo Rovers back in the day? I don't know, but it's a message in. Following Sligo Rovers under the Buckley years, you learn that the season is exactly that, the season. Mm. No point getting excited or concerned after two or three games. Our group of mates have a saying in good times and bad. Hashtag trust the process. Now, I mean, I would say that for all that Sligo Rovers fans now are saying it was a disgrace how we were underestimated, I would have encountered some uh, social media fretting from Sly Rovers fans yeah. in the offseason when they were slow to sign players. Mm. You know, they passed up Paragamon, for example, and people were like, what's actually going on here? Um, so now that they've started, there's clearly maybe within the fan base, there's probably different views because Buckley was coming under severe scrutiny and criticism what? towards the end of last season. So, I think they have a great team you know, spirit there. I'm just looking from the body language of the players. I think that that squad of players get on really well. Sligo's a small town. You're you're very close together. Like They probably spend a lot of time together. And I think they, they, they actually, they, they actually integrate. Let's just fly through a couple of other ones. Uh, Shane Dawson, or RTE Shane Dawson, as we can call him. Can we impose a blanket ban on referring to Shelburne as Damien Duff's Shelburne and revert back to those Shelburne? Talca Park Shelburne is, of course, also acceptable. Um 
No. No, no. No, I'm going to go for no next, on that next one. Question. Next question. Um, Dub Gale, the lad Shamrock Rovers brought on last night make it ominous for the rest of us. Finn, Towell, Gaffney, Burke and Idemo. Jack Byrne, brilliant for the 47 minutes he was on the pitch. Now, a couple of people have been on to us about um, Kevin Fitzpatrick mentions, mentions it. Uh, Graham Burke's celebration what was this, after Dan? the goal against Strong. What Stroud. was this? Now, he did sort of make a gesture as if... Looked like I wasn't at the game. I was at Belfield on Monday. Um, so God help there you. was a gesture that looked like me on the pitch here, you know. And then you see Ronan Finn talking to him in the aftermath. It was Burke saying, you know, I mean, put me on the pitch, which I suppose is a very straightforward meaning of it. Like, it didn't look like an elaborate dance celebration move. No. no. He looked, he, he definitely looked like he'd kind of um, something to say to someone anyway. It was quite like, Graham Burke seems a nice kind of placid lad. This was not, he's like, I'm, yeah. I'm, I want to say, oh, by the way, how Graham Burke uh, is not on a, le- a starting League of Ireland team is completely testament to how strong the team is. But he's ridiculously talented. But this is a problem the Shamrock Rovers have. And Dylan Watts apparently was poor against, was it UCD? Then he was very good and scored against Derry. Um, Towel has been kind of a mixed bag so yeah. far. They can change the bench, but like Dylan Watson, Graham Burke not starting. They're two of my favorite players in the league, full stop. It's mad. Like, that's where Rovers are at. Yeah, and now we've got it's Misha Phil as well. Loved at the reason Bows are four from six, despite the well covered departed players have spun us down to other clubs' issues, and not as Bows looking far better than Manny had been reporting. Well, Don't forget, Keith Long does this every year. Yeah, there is the building for some is difficult, not for Bows as much. I think the thing about Bows, and I've seen this pointed out, they did lose big players and the spine, right? But numerically, you probably didn't lose a dramatic amount either. But they've no, you know? they've no defensive cover on the on the pitch at all. If you look at their team, and like the Pats hardly had a chance against them. So, but I don't know what Bowes are doing. Maybe maybe they just have a lot of the ball. And like I think it looks like Burt might be playing in a. Or it looks like Coot might be playing in a kind of a more central role. I don't but think he played on Monday though, did he? I don't think. I, he I, I, I think he did. I, th- oh, sorry, I thought he it, did. Yeah, is it, I, I, I haven't seen both. Again, yet. I'm going from the highlights. Sorry, it's Bertha has to come back. Bertha has to come back. So Coot, sorry, Coot, Coot was on the ball. You know those Scots. You know they're all the same. Really. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they've, they have an abundance of like Flores has obviously started well. They've an abundance of quality. Well, Doherty is the interesting one. Mm. Um, who's come in from America mm. and apparently did quite well against Forrester. And he's again a little bit of an unknown Hard in the centre back. And, and he seems to have done well. well. I think like. Because you lose, I think the, the fear around Bowes was losing Buckley, Cornwall, like the leadership figures. And this mm. would have been something that people involved with Bowes I would have had this discussion with. Um, but if you've managed to somehow replace them, um, yeah, and you, replacing Kelly and Tierney's goals is an issue. But if clearly if Omashare slips, in, slips into the sort of Kelly role, instead of Junior signed as well, Ryan Cassidy, you could sort of yeah. ignite. You can see where the, where the confidence actually is coming from. And um, we'll see if that sort of Flores, Doherty, or the combination. They've obviously Levingston as well too. Um, you know, we talk about what a great coach. You know, what a great coaching team they have. So you would imagine that they're not going to go cavalier into mm. a game that they will have a game mm. plan. And to be fair, they've they've started reasonably well. Again, you can have big like. You know, Bose fans are as guilty as anyone of having a big wave of emotion. Like, there was a lot of negativity there too at times. Um, and it can swing. But in fairness, um, I can understand where some of their resentment comes from. They didn't get a huge amount of uh, mention in a lot of the pre-season previews, including some I would have participated in. Uh, Richie Tolan, Cameron Dumbledon could be one of the best signings of the season. Versatile and solid. Yeah, very good. Yeah, player, yeah. I think he was um, Played very well a, an excellent signing, to be fair. Um, that was a lot of our Twitter comments. Got a couple more on Instagram as well. Hugh K, who would you cast as the lead role in an Ollie Horgan biopic? 
It's a good one, isn't it? Yeah. It's probably just Brendan Leeson. Yeah. He's yeah. Somebody's done yeah. all those roles, yeah. isn't he? Like, who else? His biggest uh, yet. It would be. Yeah. Like, yeah, we could we could go mm. with that. Harps were, I mean, looking at the highlights of the Dundalk game on Monday. They were jinxed. How they did not score in the first half mm. was incredible. The Dundalk don't look good defensively. You'd have to say. No, no. And I mean, Mihailovic now, the striker, like, mm. did everything right on, on one or two occasions and must be thinking, oh, God, like, you know, what do I have to do to get going here? But it's just one of these things as well that you just need to, you just, you know, want to get a few points in those on the board early. Just oh, to, Jesus, Dan, is that, what are they? Two, no, two I know. Three games I know. And they started off like a way to, mm. like, a double header away game to start the season is, is not ideal mm. when you're sort of coming down for Donegal. Um, Connor Roots just. Uh, sent us Instagram you get a different type of interaction it must yeah. be said like a uh, Ginny Corcoran with a glass of red wine like I mean presumably that means aging like a fine wine how far could McGinty go that's an interesting one Ed McGinty interesting oh, bollocks yeah you know, but like it, best it, keeper it, in the league yeah like I think you know could it be his last year with them it's it, it's it's very possible that's the case Um, yeah Jersey Store Mallon we've mentioned Stephen Mallon already uh yeah, Stephen Bradley at Dundalk. I mean, four goals in three games, as we've mentioned. Sean Leeson with a negative comment about Pat Devlin. Uh, oh, sorry. What, what, what happened yesterday on, on local radio? I haven't had a chance to see it yet. It seems mm. I might said, or hear it yet. It might have been some comments to response to some criticism. Um, yeah, per referee and standards, I think we'll come back to that. Uh, we have a Jack Byrne, the Bowes fan, Jack Byrne, as opposed to a mm. Bowes fan, Bowes fan, on about uh, Bowes winning the league. Um, might be a little bit premature. Um, yeah, and there are a couple of other comments about the other Jack Byrne Shamrock Rovers, but and Stuart Squat, Scott comes in with wheelbarrows. Um, so before we go to Mark Scanlon, we might just go and hear a little bit of Damien Duff after the the draw between UCD Hence and the wheelbarrows. And well, this is the reference. Yeah. yeah, just for context, there was a, a an eight minute delay in the second half of the game because of uh, the sprinter just going off, which caused great hilarity, it must be said, amongst the, the crowd who were there, because there wasn't a huge amount else to entertain them. Uh, I'd say the, probably the most exciting bit was the sprinklers. Yeah. I'd say what definitely was for my son. He was in the crowd tonight. What do we learn from it? Um, away from football, never put a wheelbarrow on a sprinkler. Uh, Football-wise, not a lot from, from, from my guys. Um, they were just disappointed. I said... Forget about points here. I think there's a way of playing football, and they've been brilliant. Like regardless of the result against Pats, they played well, and um, played well in spells the other night. And like I said, I'm sure you overheard me there. Just masters of just confusing the game tonight. Um, we'd be a really structured team in our positioning and how we move the ball, one and two touch dribble when you can. Whereas tonight was just chaos. Was that, is that your own doing, or was that UCD? Um, no, I put it down to us. I said we started really. Listen, UCD, great guys, um, really well organised, um, fit young lads. So I'm sure it's no problem to, for them to go Friday, Monday. Um, but no, I think it was down to us. Okay, if you can score after 10, 12 minutes, you stay calm and you, you keep working the ball, working the opposition. But I said everything just seemed complicated tonight. Is that like decision making, or is that the pace you play at, or like where? No, just decision making. Whether it was tiredness, even mental fatigue. I don't think legs wise they were they were tired. Maybe mentally, um, maybe because we're on on them all the time. That probably mentally fatigues them. But uh, listen, it's a point on the board. We'll move on. But um, like I said to the lads in there, it's not 
not getting the three points or just getting the point that I'm disappointed with it's the way we played back to back clean sheets possibly I suppose listen, it's a very good start. I mean, you'd strip the bones out and hear people, you know, it could have been five or six against Pat's fucking nonsense. Like, um, another night we win that game. So it has been a good start. But it just shows, I guess, the standards around the club now and the way they want to play. We hope to play that. That was poor to me. You said there about being on them and mentally fatigued. Is that something you have to strike a balance with over the course of, you know, the season? Um, or should they be? No, I'm just second guessing whether it's sure, physical sure. fatigue or mental fatigue. It's yeah. fine. Listen, that we're a tight knit group, staff and players. Um, they know we're on them all the time. Whether it be good, bad, or indifferent, we're there from twenty four seven. Whether it be good, bad, or indifferent. So, listen, there's no issues. They've, like I just said to them in there, they've been absolutely amazing for what we've been together now, maybe 10, 11 weeks, and it's the first probably game where it's there's been a lack of quality. Maybe you could. Pencil cork into that, um, but they've been brilliant, and I know they'll recover well tomorrow and go again. Train Wednesday, Thursday, well, and be re- we'll be ready for Friday. Uh, you heard you say there you've been watching a bit of Derry today, like you. And so, I mean, how do you enjoy the challenge of this, like three games in a week, planning, managing all the aspects of sort of the the, the fixture schedule at this time of the season? Listen, it's good. It's non-stop. It's in fact, you just get kissed off yourself because you're never off a laptop, but. It's the way of the world is. You have to be on and just watching them, and you know tomorrow I'll be watching how they play tonight, etc. So uh, listen, it's my birthday this week. So if I wasn't in this job, I'd probably just be having a two or three day party. I was going to say Bender, but I don't drink that much. Uh, so listen, it's good focus, and listen, I'm enjoying it. We're I said we're all loving it. We're all just going home disappointed tonight because we know we can do better. What day is the birthday? I don't even know. It's tomorrow, the next day. I think it might be Wednesday. I think it's Wednesday. <laughs> I have Wednesday. Had, off I, had, Wednesday yeah, yeah. No, I had Wednesday off. I had Wednesday off, and then when the schedule got changed, I actually put. I'm bringing us in, so I'm uh, going in work on my birthday. But listen, 99 percent of the world have to do the same, so it's no problem. Well, I mean, you haven't seen too much of Derry. You've just seen a bit of them. I know you, you would be on the Irish staff, but Rory, like, what have you met of? How, how, what do you mean of them sort of generally how they started the season um, yeah obviously positive big result the other night I know they drew tonight um, it's, it's just the quality they've brought in that's why people have made them contenders overnight uh, and listen rightly so the boys have brought in being top top players I know Duffy's still injured but he's back for Friday they've brought in Matty, Spit, or Matty Smith uh, McElhenney so set their near on favourites for the league with some people they'll be our favourites for Friday night, but that doesn't bother me, and I'm sure it doesn't bother the lads. Yeah, and uh, th- that is the beauty of the league, Dan. It's it's just completely insane. Shells Derry City, like you're an advocate of the ten team league, certainly more so than a sixteen or eighteen team league. Oh yeah, if the stands are. But in fairness, I would I don't like four games a season, but I love the fact that like every week now there are all these games. Like Shells, pff, practically be sold out. It's at home to Derry Friday. I don't think four games a season personally is an issue if people are interested in all the games. Mm. Like it's, it does it, slightly um, demean derby games a bit, though, does it not? Like yeah, no, I think listen, and we've got. My Mark's going to come in in a minute. He's literally here with us at the moment. But like the... the his brother works for the UN. We're yeah. We're loads of things There you go, yeah. Um, they, 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 they talk about conflict situations and then his <laughs> brother talks about the UN. Um, but but I, I think, um, I think yeah, listen, the balance of the Premier Division this year was wrong. 
in, in terms mm. of the proliferation of like Dublin derbies and stuff. Um, and I'm not going to like single out individual teams. <laughs> like, oh, what about UCD? Because that's actually winding them up. Um, I take your point, but I think I, I'd like the idea of, of Permadivision Games every week being events. And I think condensing it until mm. the league gets a little bit stronger would be my opinion but I know there's different there's different views that would exist but we've got Mark Scandal here with us Mark I will say just for people who want to like visualise the podcast situation I am sitting across from Mark and, and Johnny sitting together so it's like I've been interviewed by the FEI t- <laughs> the FEI sort of uh, employee sort of section here you I know? will say when we put the oh we've Mark Scandal in or whatever and we put like send on a list of questions it reminded me of my eccentric Irish teacher in school who every sort of year, give or take, or maybe twice a year, used to say, right, kids, today we're going to do the facts of life, right? And he'd say, just write your note, whatever question you have, and leave it on my desk. And it went up to the fucking, like, up to the roof, <laughs> all these questions, like, and it was like that. There were so many questions. Um, he was, it wasn't his remit at all to do the facts of life, particularly Os Berla. But anyway, <laughs> how are you getting on? Uh, good, Johnny. Yeah. I hope you won't be asking me about the facts of life today. But, um, you don't get that on LOI TV. Definitely not. No, I, um, I, I did detect a hint of jealousy there from Dan in the last few weeks Johnny about your recent uh, yeah. work on I'll tell you what Mark so on, the, the day I walk into the FBI and work in the communications department someone can take my temperature or maybe take me outside and shoot me but no all due respect <laughs> the, I can think of nowhere That's a nice welcome well, yeah. sorry but you know bloody uh, hell uh, FBI envy is not something I would I'm, have to I'm struggle from I'm a freelance journalist so I missed um, Monday's game so I had to do a Cheltenham preview night it needs must. We're in a tough game down at the moment. It is. No, in-house, um, in-house media is where it's at, mm. Johnny, isn't it? Uh, listen, Mark, it's great to have you in, though. We really appreciate you coming in. And in fairness, the, the volume of messages that we, we've received and questions for you, you know, I'm sure I think Johnny tagged you in the post, so you probably got loaded of the, them directly to your inbox as sort of homework. But whatever about the opinions, and we will move on to that, it does show like the emotions that the sport stirs, like that it generates, that people care. And how long are you in the job now? I'm trying to think. Cause it's 20 months now. 20 yeah. months, because COVID is obviously... How have you found it? And how have you found negotiating like the range of opinions that exists out there around our game, our sport? Yeah, well, I mean, look, firstly, I think you're right. Um, the passion that we have within our League of Ireland community is, is evident. It's evident every week. You know, when you asked for the questions yesterday, we got a lot of them questions obviously coming in because people are interested. People want to know. They're passionate about the league. Um, you guys are. Obviously, I am. Um, and, and that's what we want. And we want more people passionate about the league. So so that's a good thing. Um, the last 20 months for me, well, obviously, it, it was a strange time to start in the first place. We had yeah. our well-documented issues within the FAI structures in the first place at that time. Uh, that we were working through and then COVID hit. So it made ev- everything doubly difficult at that time. Uh, when I started, the league was obviously uh, um, suspended at that stage. We were just prepared to, to return in July 2020, which we did. Uh, and obviously we successfully finished it 2020 and 2021. We had a complete season. So I think overall, um, a lot of what we've done in the last 20 months in, in that regard on the pitch has just been about managing through the difficult situation of the pandemic, getting the seasons completed, um, and then in the background, laying a lot of the foundations for what the future will be. So I don't think people will have seen the full fruits of the work of, of, of what we've done in the background, in the relationship building, in the consultation with the clubs uh, and where we're going to head for the future. But hopefully part of launching the strategy recently is it will obviously give people a small direction in where we're heading. Uh, and there'll be a lot more of that to come hopefully in the next few years. But, but it's been brilliant. It's been really enjoyable. Uh, it's been busy, it's been hectic, but, mm. but I think we're starting to, to build something that we'll we'll see the fruits of in the future. Because it sort of touches on a question I actually had to think of asking myself, like, like what would you describe your, your remit or your role as? Because, like, there's an administrative role 
you know, and I think obviously that's been very pronounced in the last 20 months or particularly the first sort of 18 months or so of it where it was about just getting games played and, and probably, you know, in a very difficult situation where it looked like the league at, at various times might not play. But how much of your role would you see now as just administrating and making sure things, you know, tick over and keep running smoothly and, you know, suspensions and all these sort of queries and questions and ground issues or whatever versus having a vision for the league sort of being creative and being an innovator like what how would you describe your your remit in terms of what your function is no i think i think that's exactly the point i think that's what the last a lot of the last 20 months has been and that's what we obviously want to move away from that wouldn't be uh, envisaged as the role in the long term like what we want to do here is, is grow the league of ireland as a product as a brand encompassing everything from the men's league the women's national league the underage leagues uh, the community elements of what we're doing with the clubs as well. So all of that will come under the, the League of Ireland brand and that's what we'll be trying to grow. And we can start to focus on a lot more of that, hopefully when, when we're coming towards the back end of the pandemic now and now that we've, we've put a lot of the administrative structures in place. Uh, so I'd like to move personally from, from my own workflow away from a lot of that and towards mm. the future and towards the strategic stuff so we can start to develop and, and grow what we want. Because in that time, like, I mean, I don't know how many phone calls you'd have a week, but I assume you were spending a lot of time just you know, managers, people ringing, what, when's the league starting? You know, what's the issue with this and that? Like very sort of mundane, but very important stuff, I'm guessing. Like that was probably a majority of your time in that period. It, it, it was, and, and realistically, like during that period as well, it was because there was no template for everything that we were going through. So, you know, COVID situations were changing week by week, regulations were changing, uh, restrictions were changing. So all of that stuff had to be dealt with in a sort of reactionary way. And it didn't give us an opportunity really to to plan and focus on what the future was. So, look, we navigated that period really well, I think, um, collectively between the clubs and ourselves. Um, and I think, you know, I think in a, in a strange way that's he- helped build the relationships because we ended up a lot closer with the clubs having to, to solve a lot of the issues that we had or having to come together to collaborate on, on what we needed to do. Uh, to finish the seasons and to get through the, the structures that we had in front of us. So I think that's been really good and it's been a positive out of uh, the difficult time that we had. Um, but now, as you said, we're in a situation where hopefully we can we can get into more longer term thinking and big picture mm. thinking. What What's your vision of the future then? Like, you know, and I know this is a classic, it is almost like a sort of a question someone asks in a job interview and it's a little bit notional, right? But like five years time, What's success for you in terms of what we have in terms of the League of Ireland? Well, I think we've called a lot of that out really within the um, strategic plan in the in the pillar around the League of Ireland. So, you know, it's a few of the things that we want to achieve certainly over the next couple of years is uh, we want to, first of all, rebrand the league and have a, a bigger, stronger League of Ireland brand. As I said earlier, that encompasses the men's league, the women's league, the underage national leagues, uh, the community elements, the whole lot of it come under a stronger League of Ireland brand. Uh, we certainly want to look at the competition structures. Uh, we've obviously called out within the strategic plan about adding additional tiers to both. Yeah, we'll come back to that because we've got questions on that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> plenty of questions yeah. on that. Yeah, uh, no, we'll come back to that. Yeah, but yeah, no, no, sorry, just let Mark yeah. finish his point. Uh, developing the uh, academy structures, obviously, um, and bringing that to the next level as well is is a big element of it. So we we're uh, underway with the academy certification process at the minute, and how that will look um, to to bring a bit more structure to that side as well. Will Clark's done a phenomenal job in that. You obviously had Will in uh, yourself yeah. last year talking about some of the work that's that's gone on around the academies. Uh, we launched them leagues last week. Uh, Johnny, you were obviously there on the day when, when we launched the leagues and, and the leagues begin this weekend. Um, and then look, the, the the big area to focus on that's sort of uh, related to the League of Ireland pillar, but it's its own separate pillar because it's so important, is is the infrastructure and the facilities. Uh, and ultimately, that's, that's one of the biggest challenges. It's one of the, the longer term 
Uh, ones is not a quick fix that we can do overnight, but that investment into facilities and into the league is, is going to be crucial for what we want to do to build the future. So uh, yeah. if, if we get you on that one, then like you look at um, the, the issues with construction in Ireland full stop at the moment, notwithstanding the FEI's well-heralded financial troubles. And um, I would, I would argue like league of Ireland facilities are still miles off where they should be. Even our good facilities would be just average in another country. Like, is that, is that the biggest challenge almost the facilities side of things? Yeah, it, it definitely is. And it, it's obviously, you know, it's the most expensive area mm. to fix as well. Like there's some areas that we can fix within the strategic plan that we can do just by organization and by how we administer. Uh, there's other areas that's going to obviously require big investment. Um, but the, the key to the facilities one is, again, it's going back to the word of collaboration. You know, it's a, it's a number of different stakeholders that have to come together in order to fix the facility section. Uh, that's ourselves, the clubs, hopefully private investment and certainly government support both local and central government with that. But I think the difference now is there's a real willingness for that to actually happen. Um, yeah. And I think I think that, that will drive forward. We'll see a lot more um, of the plans come out. You know, over the last couple of weeks and months, I've had various different meetings with the club showing us their plans, both on their academy structures and in their stadia as well. Uh, and the clubs have ambitious plans, but I think a lot of them are very realistic now. You know, I don't think they're just releasing well, plans that will sit in the shelf for five or ten yeah, years. Like, say, say a situation like Finn Harps. Like, I, 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 you almost, um, you almost lose interest in something like that because it's gone on so long. If you're a Finn Harps fan listening in, what can you say to him or her to say, "Listen, we are trying here." Yeah, well, look, there's no guarantees on anything that we can do specifically, and I think you know sometimes that's being leveled at the association in general that it we have to fix it everywhere. I think that's again a unique situation that you wouldn't see in other national associations um but the key is whatever assistance and help that we can give like we have a strong infrastructures department if you speak to a lot of the clubs they'll tell you uh, walter holler and who looks after our our facilities and infrastructure meets with them on a regular basis mm-hmm. and helps the clubs with their development plans what they should be looking for uh, how to make sure that any new bills meet for example uefa criteria so there's no point in a new stadium being built and it doesn't meet so the criteria days, yeah. when you qualify for europe for example um, you know, on the academy side, but myself and Will have met with clubs of various different levels as well when they're looking to, to build academy infrastructures to say the type of things that we'd like in place with the certification in mind in the future uh, for how the clubs will, will have long-term uh, homes that they, can, that they can train in, that they can have all their uh, teams in right the way down to all the younger age groups. Because, I mean, the big shift in the last 10 years within League of Ireland football is we're moving away from a League of Ireland club only being a team which was a men's team in a senior division, uh, to now being a proper club. So the clubs now have structures that have men's teams, women's teams, underage teams, and the community elements. And, and that's the big... Could I just yeah, ask, the, the, ahead, on the stadiums, like the, one of the things in the strategic plan is the audit, the idea of an audit of the stadiums. Can you sort of open up a bit on what that entails? Because in theory, like licensing and the participation agreement are meant to have a sort of a framework of sorts within that. But there's this sort of culture or a necessity and I understand where it comes from of like derogations like where I think annually I think you said at the recent launch like every year you have to review but some clubs you're, you're, you're practically just reviewing and, and handing these out every year for a long period of time so like what where is the where is the confidence for people that this audit will lead to define standards that are actually enforced well, a lot of standards actually are enforced. The derogations are few and far between, and they really come around areas where, for example, in a Finn Harp situation where they wouldn't have the required seating um, for a Premier Division stadium, but the fact that the new stadium is on the build um, and trying to pump money into the new stadium as opposed to pumping it into the old stadium is obviously where it makes sense for a derogation. But a club that's not moving forward with their facilities wouldn't achieve the license and standards, so they wouldn't get derogations on a continuous basis if that was there. But there's loads of stuff in the participation say. agreement around grounds that isn't, it's sort of like, 
it's a bit a la carte like you know what I mean and I, I appreciate that you can come with this from your own perspective and like I go to the ground and we go to the ground as media who don't have to pay in and we have a little closeted existence there and stuff but there is stuff in there about like Wi-Fi and commitments and stuff which is just like it's 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 aspirational because like, it isn't enforced at all and I, I think we all within the league care about the league we understand that like you've council run grounds we have situations that that happen um that are understandable in isolation when clubs explain them to you but is there a point where these derogations have to cease like yeah. you, ha- you have to have a top division in the league that has standard x or standard y and if you actually don't meet some of these criteria you have to make slightly unpopular decisions sometimes yeah absolutely and that's that's the idea of the facilities audit as well is that like we do have um, a lot of that information from club license and as you said uh, we have a lot of that comes in with, at the start of the season but a much more detailed analysis of exactly where people are falling down on the requirements that we'd like and obviously where we want to get our premier division stadiums to is that there are a minimum of that uh, UEFA category three stadium that we can sort yeah. of build towards that category because in any given year we've 40 percent of our teams in our top division going into europe so we've four qualifiers. So realistically, that's where our club licensing standards uh, and our facility standards need to be based around that UEFA uh, certification because we don't want clubs qualifying for Europe where they've got to use different venues for their home games. We want them to be able to, to play their home games at home in, in qualifiers and not be traveling uh, to play in other clubs' grounds for that because we want home supporters to experience that within their own environment. And obviously that will give clubs the best opportunity to qualify when they're playing in their mm. own environment as well. So that's that's ultimately where the stadiums need to move towards. But we do have to recognise that this isn't a short-term fix and we're not going to be able to turn around if we sit here this time next year and tell you that there's five or six new stadiums built. But what we'd like to see is a lot more progress this year, that that facilities audit is done, that we have a clear direction on what we're going and we have our proposals in place uh, working with the clubs as to how we could we could possibly get to uh, to reaching the level of facilities that be required. Did the FEI have any view on the Save Talca Park uh idea because i know the fei were listed as partners in the daily man project um so is there a, a sort of any uh, views there on this whole where that might be going i think look that's that's a matter for the, the club really at this point like we've been fully up to speed with both clubs views and opinions and and the meetings that have taken place over the last couple of months but really that's that would be a matter for the club and the local authorities who uh, obviously own the stadium like you mentioned and i think it is a thing that has to be acknowledged the how clubs have improved their awareness of the sports capital grants and how to navigate. And there's a lot of credit for, for Walter and how, um, how he's probably helped them with that. Because you mentioned previously that clubs turn to, you know, there's a culture there that maybe that isn't, doesn't exist in other countries that people expect the FAI or the National Association to everything for them. But clearly in the past, there wasn't maybe, there wasn't the same sort of relationship there. Like, what what do you think has changed the culture in, in recent years to improve that collaboration between the club? Is it just a case of new faces in the FAI, or what's your take on it? I just think there's an overall focus now on, on actually making uh, things work now and, and for the development to happen and realizing the importance of it for the game in the country in general. So, um, you know, that's been a key task of what, what we've tried to do and really help clubs stand on their own two feet as opposed to being in a situation where we would just fund the club uh, for a stadium, like be that League of Ireland level or be it something at grassroots where we give a club funding. It's certainly better for us to collaborate and work with the club to help them as best as possible navigate through situations like the sports capital grants or to develop other areas of their facilities or to develop various different programs or women's sections within their club. Um, and we're here to help and assist in them areas and, and not just in facilities, but many other areas that, that our staff have actually helped the clubs with. So a shift towards 
actually being um, a help with the clubs as opposed to actually trying to do things specifically for one club or two clubs and rather be a help for yeah. 10, 20 clubs. Is, is a lot of it seemed to go situation. too almost centrally through the FBI at times. Yeah. You know, which is, there's a sort of a, there's two conflicting sort of sentences there, but they can, they sort of, it, it's more about clubs getting their house in order a bit, but also getting a little bit better direction rather than the FEI at times having their own sort of certain projects they were honing in on and not others. If you know what I'm saying, it's a bit long-winded, but effectively there was a couple of vanity projects that would have been in there were getting daily mount done, but other clubs wouldn't have had the same opportunities there you know that would have been a perception anyway that might have existed but um johnny sorry i'm just waffling on here well i i i i always looked at like the the english kind of system where if you, just to get into the fourth tier in england into what is now league two there were very kind of like for years there seemed to be quite specific stadia parameters that you had to meet and like you know there's an attendance figure for every game and i, I love that as well and it's like it's a very british thing but it's like we, we've standards here it was a british thing we've stats and all that i just feel like i look at some websites to look at his dances wi-fi grounds i just feel the clubs get away with too much i really do and maybe from your perspective it's like well my hands are a bit tight here after a while we've so many issues like could the fei not be a bit stricter on clubs that clearly are not they're not stepping up to the mark in terms of their grounds and websites and other things as well like match programs so on and so forth yeah, look, there's, there's different areas of priorities that will come over the next few years, and I, I do think you'll see a big shift in that. But I think, like, you know, well, first of all, I think we look a lot to the UK too too quickly a lot of the time, right. obviously. We're in a situation where England has 92 professional clubs in, in them tiers and a number of other professional clubs, um, you know, within the conference and below in that pyramid structure. So, you know, we're not really comparing like with like with that scenario. But if you relate the facilities type question to it, um, you know, the watershed moment in, in England was certainly after the likes of the Bradford fire and the Hills Hill, disaster yeah. and so on. And, you know, I think the similar situation we're in with this strategic plan and what we're trying to do with a facilities audit and the clear structure that we're, we're going to improve the stadia collaboratively with the clubs, with central and local government and with investment. I think this is our watershed moment at this point. So I'd like to think if we go on 10, 20 years from where we are now, mm. uh, that we look back at this being a key part of where the facilities and the infrastructure has changed. And hopefully that will be the case. Uh, and again, in England, uh, you mentioned that where clubs are coming up from the fourth or fifth tier up a level and they have to meet the requirements. If you remember at that stage in the early 90s, a lot of clubs didn't come up mm. from the conference because they didn't meet the requirements. Yeah. So it, it, it required time for that to happen. And now it's in the Was situation. Is that a bad thing, where, though? No, that's, that's, mm. so that's the yeah. point. I think at, at that point when that happened, it required clubs to then get their house in order. And it was a period of maybe four or five years where clubs were winning the conference and weren't coming up. But mm. now every club who wins uh, the conference in, in England manages to come up to League Two because they're mm. at the requirements. So that type of uh, structure will, will come in here with a facilities plan in the future. But again, you know, that wasn't fixed in, in, in somewhere like the UK that has obviously a lot of money in the English FA and English structures are, are able to, to do that. But that wasn't fixed overnight. So well, it won't be fixed overnight here. But uh, I, I would say when we look back, we look at this period as has been our point where it changed for our facilities. Mm. This, this kind of brings us on to a lot of the questions we've had about the third tier, but just um, like... You look at a map of uh, the Premier Division in, in, in Ireland and it's like a map of South Korea, North Korea. There's like a big white place and then it's just black. And I think kind of too much has been made of that because you will have quirky seasons where Cork and Waterford and Galway, whatever. But but take that apart. It's it's more so the, 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 the leagues, the two of them put together, the amount of black holes in this country that not only don't have a League of Ireland club, but never really had a League of Ireland club. Uh, you're from Meath, for example. Um, massive part of kind of Leinster into Munster uh, on the on the eastern side of the country. You've obviously Mayo, Kerry, Cavan Monaghan, Kilkenny. Some of these had clubs. Kerry, Leash, uh, Tipperary. Um, and anecdotally, 
we decked him like Bennett on last year, and his problem is that the League of Ireland doesn't garner the hits on in terms of people watching it. And I can see that because it's like Shamrock Rovers were playing Derry last Friday. I'm not sure what that necessarily means to somebody in Thurles or Tralee. And how do we get to the stage where my local club could aspire to be a League of Ireland club or the likes of Tralee, Cavan Monaghan, Kildare, so forth, we'll, we'll get into the League of Ireland. and we Because we have a National League in name only, in my view. Yeah, well, I, I think, first of all, like there are black holes from a League of Ireland perspective, as you said, but there's not black holes in football in this country. Mm. You know, football is played in every part of this country. We've strong, thriving grassroots clubs everywhere. Um, but I think the biggest issue and barrier in towards the entry to League of Ireland football has obviously been the lack of a pyramid. So at the minute, you're asking people to jump straight from a junior league or an intermediate league in the country straight into the first division. And there's a lot that goes with that. You know, there's a lot of the licensing requirements. There's a lot of funding that needs to be in place. There's a lot of structures, match day operations things that clubs can't very easily just adjust from the end of one junior intermediate season to jump into League of Ireland football. So so that's where the pyramid structure comes in. Again, that's obviously what we've, we've called out within the strategy in general, in the pathway section, but also around a, a third tier with the League of Ireland. Um, so that's how that be, might work then. Well, I think, yeah, let's, let's go to Andy McNulty's question yeah. on this because it ties in with it. Andy McNulty is an ex-League of Ireland player, but also heavily involved more so known for Leinster Senior League involvement. Uh, his question was, clarity on tier three, three proposal because obviously it was targeted for 2023 in a strategic plan why hasn't it been published even if it were published tomorrow it would still only give clubs circa nine months prep is this acceptable or feasible have amateur clubs been consulted or approached okay well look to, to start off with that one the strategy was published only last month you know the consultation period throughout uh, the strategy over, over the last couple of months this element has come up the pyramid has come up the third tier has come up so that consultation period has already begun in regards of development of the strategy in the first place um, but, but have amateur clubs been consulted or approached yet all a part of the the town halls and the strategy meetings that everybody would have said that they want to see that we regularly get contact from clubs across the country who ask us what the next steps are that they need to take how will they get into the league of ireland uh, how can they approach getting into the first division how would they meet the license and standards so this stuff comes quite often so we know there's a real keen interest there for clubs who in a lot of cases have reached maybe the top of their current structure where they are be that junior league or an intermediate league or whatever it might be so we we have our own thoughts and ideas i certainly have my own thoughts and ideas but it'd be unfair of me really uh, to discuss the full level of detail of, of what i would have in my head without the proper consultation period that will happen okay but i think i appreciate but like, you know, consultation periods are going to be happening on all of these things, but people are still looking for some degree of clarity as well, too. Like, to me, the description you talk about England there, the four leagues, the non, you know, the, the conference or the National League as it is now, and you talk about a pyramid structure. Um, but it does seem to me like what's been talked about here with the third tier isn't actually a pyramid structure at all, unless it sits on top. For that to be the case, it would have to sit on top of the Leinster Senior League and the Munster Senior League. Um, I know there's situation in Connacht but you know Ulster Senior League again there's complications there right but generally that the top level of amateur football would feed into it but that doesn't appear to be what's on the table here really at all it's not really a pyramid it's like two it's one island and it's another island no no not really because in the in the pathway section of the strategy you'll see and the the conversations about the pyramid structure as well so that will all come into the wider discussion so is that an option just to be clear that you do envisage it's possible that there could be a partnership with the Leinster Senior League and the Munster Senior League that clubs could feed into it or is it more you have to apply to leave one and join another structure? 
I think absolutely. I think that's all up, up for discussion and debate with exactly what will, will come with the pyramid structure. But I think like what we have at the minute is we've lots of really, really strong leagues around the country. Um, and as you mentioned earlier, maybe that consistency level at amateur uh, to decide where the next step is or how them clubs can go on and progress. And we see really strong games in the junior and intermediate cups mm. in the latter stages of them competitions. And there's clubs there who are ready to take the next steps, but there's do not you think really so? steps. Do, so. do you think there is clubs that are interested in moving into a slightly different environment where they don't have sort of traditional trophies that they compete for like what's the incentive for them because obviously there's a cost involved there's probably you know different sort of requirements you would think licensed and i know you don't know how that would operate when you go down the levels but are you do you believe that there are clubs with a desire to to go that way that they would leave where they are now and go into a new third structure well again it's not necessarily leaving where they are now it's how that whole structure feeds in from from the top down, from the bottom up, and how we make a pyramid structure that, like as Johnny mentioned earlier on, no matter what part of the country you're in, your club may or your player may want to aspire to play at League of Ireland level or the highest level that they can play at. So having that pathway where no matter what grassroots club is in this country can see a clear pathway from the bottom of the pyramid right to the top of the pyramid and have that dream that their club uh, will be able to play there. Or if you're an individual player and you've progressed beyond the level of the club within your area, where's the next club within your region or your area that... Uh, has has the next step up in the pyramid so i think it's it, it, it'll be part of an overall discussion but the third tier element of the league of ireland in general uh comes from certainly the necessity to have a, a promotion relegation from the likes of the first division to keep things mm. uh, interesting there as well and to make sure that you know the standards and stuff that that you talked about earlier on that we want to put in place that they can be adhered to all the time because at the minute the option is really you're in the first division and you drop out straight back into amateur football with no levels in between. So, are, so are that's we, the no, I understand. No, I completely uh, understand that point. It's just yeah. more: are we looking at? Well, are we looking at other colleges? Yeah. for example, well, are, 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 is that what, B what, teams have obviously been mentioned. B teams is so obviously is a mixture of all of this because, like, for the top, off the top of my head, when it was mentioned, it could be next year of the third tier. I was like, it's an indictment of this country, but it's not necessarily that attractive to join the League of Ireland as a team because the costs of it are, are obviously a lot. And then where are you going down the line? So. What could it entail? Like UCD are derided in some respects, but they're actually an extremely successful entity in the League of Ireland. And the, could the college structure be part of it, for example? Yeah, I think, look, it's, it's, it's all up for discussion between the amateur game, the college structure, the B team structure, all them options are there. And like people are very passionate about this area and they have their own thoughts and ideas. And that's what we will uh, trash out over the next couple of months. That's why it's called out in the strategy. And that's what we, we want to make sure that mm. that level is there. So we don't just want to leave it meander on for the next couple of years as, as we feel it has done. So we want to be able to, to ensure that there's something concrete there. And I think that'll be, that'll certainly be achieved. Is it feasible to happen in 2023 as was proposed? Like, yeah, I think it is. Yeah. It is. That's yeah, it. I, 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 I find that very, very ambitious, but, um, in like I, February, I, I, March 2023. Well, look, again, at, you know, all, all part of the consultation, but obviously if there was uh, sections of clubs that were moving from the likes of amateur football and so on, then that's that's not going to be the case because, mm. you know, they'll be in, in current seasons in 2022 slash 2023. So a period of transition for that to happen to ensure that well, there's no disruption to any competitions, leagues or clubs will, will be vital. That, that, that's obviously key point. And say like some of the underage um, leagues that have done very well and they, like I got the impression talking to people in Kildare, they definitely want to join the League of Ireland. Like, what can the FEI say to the likes of Kevin Monaghan or, for example, Kildare to say, we can help you with this? Because it's not like, the, just the cost of fuel, for example, is going through the roof. Buses are expensive, the pitch, so on and so forth. What can the FEI say to encourage people into the fold, I guess? 
Um, yeah, well, look, this, so first of all, there's six uh, clubs that non-league uh, clubs, if you like, that are playing in, in the underage yeah. national league. So, you know, they fill some of them geographical gaps mm. for the underage players that you currently mentioned. And, and the ambition of them clubs coming in to underage leagues in the first place was always that there would be a pathway for them players through the senior football. So that's certainly a very real option for, for clubs in them areas. But again, going back to the cost factor factor and the uh, the structure of the leagues, like there's, there's a lot that can be done around that area. I mean, certainly the licensing requirements wouldn't be the same mm. for the tier below, for example. That's um, fair. You know, it, a potential geographical structure where things could be a north and south type structure, whatever okay. it might be, that would it, not necessarily a national league. And, you know, we've done obviously a lot of our research. I certainly have for years looked at these structures but if you look uh, across all the leagues in Europe you, you, you'll see a lot of that structure right the way down and you can you know again we take a very quick look all the time to what's really happening in England or Scotland or wherever else it may be uh, but looking further afield and watching how uh, countries of similar geographical size um, and, and similar population size and similar structures even the demographics of where they are like many countries in Scandinavia say for example would be heavily populated in the south of the country mm. not as heavily in the north and how mm. that's managed in, in the lower levels of the pyramids to ensure that clubs within them regions have an opportunity to progress to the top so so we've done a lot of our research in that we certainly have a lot of our ideas but again we're looking forward to, to the consultation process that will happen in the next few months and I think we have an exciting opportunity here to create this pyramid structure Again, from talking to other countries and other national associations across Europe, sometimes their pyramid structure is already embedded in that it's too difficult to change. We have an opportunity where it's not embedded in and we have an opportunity to actually put the correct pyramid in place and a mm. pyramid that will reflect uh, the right opportunities for everybody from grassroots up. Yeah, I think you've answered a couple of other questions, to be fair, within that. I mean, uh, Julian Canny was like, will clubs entering the third tier be required to enter teams into the underage leagues if they don't already? Is that tied in with the sort of if they get promoted to the first division they maybe need to or where where does that stand I assume you mentioned the six clubs there or the six leagues there who may not all necessarily want to do this but is that something you would look at I think the key to the licensing standard will be that the clubs are clubs Dan, and not teams so that's going to be the key to it so where their underage teams play isn't necessarily this clamber for everybody to play in the underage national leagues you know there's only going to be a certain amount of players who will be playing at that level and to broaden that base too wide would obviously um, you know create its own issues as well okay, so yeah. uh, clubs being clubs will, will be the key entity about the, the licensing period can so I, can I just for the loan team yeah no that's, yeah. A, that's a fair answer just definitively then so if to go back to Andy McNulty's initial point there's a consultation process is going to happen so you may not necessarily have got through all the elements of that thus far the stuff to come but you're on about individual clubs contacting you but is it fair to say that as part of this process there will be an approach or discussions with the Leinster Senior League, the Munster Senior League, with the, the the leading clubs there to see where they stand. Yeah, absolutely, it'll be it'll be countrywide consultation for everything got to do with, with the pyramid structure. But just to explain another couple of elements of that before we we move on to why the next level of the the third tier is that this is all interconnected in other different ways as well. So, for example, our current club licensing process. I mentioned earlier on there's a lot going on behind the scenes that people don't see so we're currently in the middle of, of a potential shift in our club licensing process to bring that earlier in the season which is, which will allow us to offer licenses to clubs come the end of the so season do it ongoing effectively the licensing as such. yeah we'll yeah. just shift the timetable that it comes towards the end of the current season as opposed to the start of the next season so that will allow us the opportunity to uh, allow clubs into licensing at an earlier point to make a decision at the end of the season and know about promotion relegation so we've all these steps to be able to put in first 
before we go on to, for example, an expression of interest for the first division before we go on then to the to third tier. So there's the building blocks that have to be put in place for yeah. all of that to happen. Yeah, because you're still you're still down a team in the first division exactly. as well, which yeah. is like, is there a, and, and again, is there, that, is there a, a process coming for that or where, do, where does that stand? Well, again, that relates back to the necessity of, of having a, a third tier in a pyramid structure is because we're in a unique situation uh, that if a club drops out of our National League structure, there's not a ready rate replacement because we don't have a pyramid. So that's where the importance of a third tier comes in so that clubs gain entry into the first division on sporting merit uh, rather than an expression of interest where we just open it up to, to brand new clubs starting up from, from scratch. You, you, um, you, yeah, so, yeah that, so, that process is ongoing, but I said the first step of that is, is the current consultation about the change of the club licensing timetable, which we've done with the National League's committee. We've done with the club licensing committee and we meet with the club licensing officers on Thursday night uh, to go through a lot of that and take the next steps on and inform the board of what we, we feel our recommendations would be for the change in club licensing. Once we do that, we can then move on to the next steps and a lot of that will, will start to fall in place for the third tier and the pyramid structure below as that moves on. You you mentioned academies there and Dan is talking about underage teams and like um, the, 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 you were talking about kind of tiered academy systems. So like if I'm if I'm going through Longford Town, I'm, I'm probably going to ask myself, how in the name of God can they compete with Shamrock Rovers? We had obviously, um, you know, we had Shane Robinson on last week. It was not unreasonably pointed out, well, how is Shamrock Rovers actually doing financially? How much money are they putting into this? Is it even paying off for them? And to counter some of the, I guess, the positivity I have in it. So Shamrock Rovers and Longford Town cannot compete together. They're, they're completely different. And I remember when Neil Finn was on, I found it strange that he was bringing players from Dublin to play for Longford underage, but he would point out, well, otherwise you might get hammered. So how is that going to work then in terms of your tiering of academies? Like, cause that's where the future is really. Well, I think, again, within the academy structures, you know, quite commonly what you'll see again across Europe from all our research is obviously in terms of a tiered system within academy structures. So mm. certain clubs will have aspirations uh, to have full time academy structures, which is obviously what we want to be able to have. But uh, it's not realistic to ensure that every club does the exact same thing at academy level or has every one of their under 15, 17s or 19s in some, some type of full time structure. But again, similar to, to creating the pyramid, we have an opportunity in this country to create something new and unique and that almost comes by the fact that we didn't have an academy structure in the past like other countries so are ingrained into what they have mm. so because we have a chance to build it up from the bottom uh, certainly what we would envisage is is an academy uh, structure that has a focus on the holistic development of the player and that has the player at the center of the academy development so everything with the links to education is going to be crucially important to well it's interesting Shane said last week that like it was a player that ended up not playing for overs but he was Absolutely delighted he got 580 points and he's leaving. I thought it was a nice thing to say, like, because ultimately football is football. Yeah, fantastic. And, it, like, if we can help players through that education structure, as you know, my previous role was in schools and colleges football, mm. so I have a big interest in, and background in this area. And, like, I've seen lots of players come through uh, our structures in, in colleges football that were involved for example, at League of Ireland clubs at that time would have had aspirations to play full-time football. Maybe it didn't work out through an injury, loss of form, whatever it might be. But to see so many of them being successful in various different aspects of their life now um, and to always have that, you know, memories of coming up through an academy system or a college system, uh, having their degree behind them, having their masters behind them, that, that's going to help the football industry in general because these people are then going into other different areas. They could potentially run football clubs in the future. They could be yeah. our potential sponsors in the future. Mm. But building up that whole base and telling a player yeah. that when they come into the underage academy system, 
that if you come in at under 14 age group, by the time you finish at under 19s, you'll have gone through this curriculum in relation to football, but you'll have gone through this cur- curriculum in relation to your overall holistic development. Mm. So training them up on areas, for example, like strength and conditioning, like nutrition, like anti-doping, as well as their traditional education. Mm. Uh, that's an area that we want to focus on within the academy certification side as well, so that we can look at it and be proud that when players leave the academy uh, situation, whatever club that they've left from, whether they drop back into amateur football, whether they move on to professional football, that we can say that they've all been given this opportunity to learn and develop on the pitch and off the pitch. Because mm. well, I was going to move on to LOTV, but we'll actually, I think we'll stick with this team because you've sort of touched on something I was going to bring up. Like in the strategic plan, there was references to creating a, an industry in Ireland, um, football industry in Ireland. And it's obviously, again, it's a very broad term. Like, what does that mean to you? Because obviously people are putting in, you mentioned that the kids are coming in at age 14 and then they're coming through all the way to 18, 19. But there's the issue of what's there for them at that stage. Like I know, for example, people when the Players Union are, are now talking at the moment about, is there, do we need issues with like minimum wage or, or to look at our, our issue here? Because you've got people coming through this system and then they're signing professional deals on, in some cases, like 50, 75, 100 quid a week. Um I know there's not a big pot of money here, right? Like, I'm sort of realistic about this. But, for example, it's pointed out players come in uh, on a work permit to work to, to play in the league here, and I think their, their wage is, is set at 600 a week. But, yeah, we've got players coming through the system here who are, who are trying to operate as professionals or to do something with it, yet they're on very, very small money at the end of it. Like, what can be done about this to create some kind of industry? Because it ties in last week with the lads talking about you know, great setup underage teams, but like volunteers are, are actually doing some of the coaching. So there's a potential issue here with this. So what's what's your sort of broad response to what an industry means? Yeah, well, again, the, the full-time industry say is something we've called out in the strategic plan. And I think like what it means to us is that football in this country, if you want to work full-time, shouldn't be about trying to get a job just within the FAI. We should be able to make sure that these clubs have full-time jobs and positions available in them. And ultimately, where we need to start with that is the actual club structure. So again, I've mentioned this a couple of times already. We've moved from a situation of a League of Ireland club having one team in a men's senior division to being a club. So your Friday night and your match night and your volunteers just running that is becoming increasingly difficult. So we need to be in a situation where all of our clubs have, for example, the likes of a general manager, a full-time secretary or administrator, uh, a full-time head of youth, head of football and a full-time community officer. And for us, if we have roles, them four roles within all of the clubs, then the rest can grow and develop from there because them jobs and them people being in them key roles will ensure that we have the opportunities to bring more commercial revenue into clubs, to develop more the club structures and strategy, to develop the football structures and to develop and embed the club within their local community. So if we have them type of positions and we, we, we develop them roles within clubs, um, and, and find a way that we can we can ensure that each of the clubs have at minimum that level of a structure, then from there the rest of, of the club structures will be able to grow. And then what we're looking for as we go through the academy certification process, for example, more full-time coaches working at underage level, more full-time staff working in, in senior clubs as, as we try to develop um, the professional structures of our Premier Division and First Division clubs. So it's not just the general manager, but now they're adding in a communications manager or a marketing manager or whatever else they need to add in uh, to their club structures but we've got to start with that base of them key people who'll yeah. be able to run and develop the club too often in, in this situation we've seen that clubs have gone and chased a full-time professional football team 
before they actually have a full-time professional football club yeah. in the background. So we, we need to ensure that them structures are in place because that's what's ultimately going to create the long-term sustainability. And in them clubs that we do have an opportunity to work with people who are in a full-time position, it's certainly much easier to, to move on quicker uh, for the structures that we'd like to have in place. And, and all clubs really do need to have that opportunity that they can have it. So I think that that's crucially important. And once them jobs are created, them situations are there in League of Ireland clubs that, that people can see a future and a career for themselves, then that'll give us an opportunity to take the next steps. But what about the concept then of a minimum wage or say a minimum number of professionals, say, again, I'm talking about standards and grounds and stuff like, you know, at a Premier Division club, you need to have X amount or you need to have a certain criteria that you need to meet. Where do you stand on that sort of yeah, absolutely. Like we've had good conversations with the with the PFAI over that, and um, Stephen McGuinness has obviously extensive knowledge of this, and from the work that they, the guys do with FIFA Pro. Um, so we'll, we'll go through again a consultation process as part of the new participation agreement uh, for next year. Realistically, between that April to June period of this year, where we're going to trash. Some so you're open to talking about some of these topics. Absolutely, yeah. I think they're crucial. I mean, they definitely are. They're vital areas for us to move forward in, in where we need to get to, and that's what we want. We want. Uh, full-time professional players we want to keep our best players here you know you had the likes of Shane talking last week about wanting to keep the likes of Gavin Bazunu here them type of ambitions that's brilliant you know it's brilliant that our clubs are speaking in that way and that's what we want but we have to to create them structures as you said there's not an infinite pot of money to do that our starting point as an association is well documented is that minus 60 million for that to happen yeah no and but that's that's the, obviously a problem yeah but can I, can I just say that look I heard last week an anecdotal tale of a of a championship club um, offering, I think, five thousand euro for a, a player at a at a side here, like a really you know decent side here and a very good under nineteen player, um, and like that's obviously alarming, like because that suggests that there's still a perception image that you come to Ireland and you can offer five grand. And I know that this is a multi layered issue, and there's the role of agents, and there's a there's a lot of different pressures and stuff. But I'm kind of wondering, like. Um, we've seen the players leave the league over the winter and that sort of stimulated a discussion about clauses and um, you know compensation and can we work it better like where would you stand on the concept of say certain thresholds for players you know the categorization of players in such a way that if you go there's some kind of collective agreement that there's x amount of a player just can't go for like five grand that if you come through a certain process there has to be a, a minimum fee like where do you stand with the as a governing body with getting into those discussions i think a lot of that relates back to again similar to how you talked about the facilities earlier on education for the clubs is key in this area and i think a lot of the clubs don't actually realize um the compensation figures that are out there um, the restrictions that are there on players that are moving from here overseas anywhere so that FIFA have regulated that area very strongly in terms of compensation so we need to continue to help educate our clubs in that and we've had really good conversations and, and meeting with them again the likes of uh, Will Clark is very experienced in that area from his previous role so myself and Will have met with various different clubs in the last few months and tried to help them out on, on the areas to get a better understanding of what the implications are turning the player on a professional contract if that contract runs down, how it works out. Mm. And then we've got our own sort of in, internal issues to sort out in terms of our, our domestic compensation issues. So we rectified a lot of that between uh, the League of Ireland clubs and grassroots football. Which was another issue, of course. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And, and that was, again, that was done really well last year with the, the League of Ireland clubs and the SFAI sitting down around the table with ourselves 
to come up with a domestic compensation agreement that's now in place. But the next steps of that now needs to be the League of Ireland to League of Ireland compensation area and how we fix that. And the academy certification is key to doing that. So all of these areas are step-by-step blocks that we need to put one area in place before we can tackle the next one. Um, and there are issues that obviously we've, we've just inherited that we're, we're here in the past that we need to try and fix. But a lot of the wheels are in motion for a lot of this stuff. And I know people are looking for us to be able to come out tomorrow and fix this and say exactly what we're going to do about that area. But rest assured that within the League of Ireland department, the staff that we have are working incredibly hard on fixing all of these things in the background. And we've laid a lot of the foundations, as I said, that, that people haven't seen. Because we can't have players going for five or ten grand. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, you, like these are meant to be our premium in the post-Brexit era. In some well, cases, well, on, our best players in the country. Yeah, well, 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 on that, this suggestion, and it's been, lob- it's been put about that, um, the FAI was almost happy that this situation would still exist where players could go to England, which for me was a, a national scandal. Um, like f- from a personal perspective, do you, do you think this is an opportunity we have to embrace here? This this bizarre Brexit, like nobody voted for Brexit on the basis that Irish long, young lads couldn't go to England, but that's one of the many byproducts. And we didn't uh, vote on Brexit to be clear. No, we didn't. But you know <laughs> what I mean. So my 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 blood boiled a bit when I was kind of it was suggested that actually the FBI would have been happy if we went back to the status quo which for me was a disgrace really yeah but I think forget about Brexit Brexit's been talked about a lot in the past in relation to this uh, I think you know in some ways it's it, it, it's a big part of this but in other ways it's, it's completely irrelevant because the structure anyway regardless of Brexit is that we we do want to keep our best players here for as long as possible in their own environment to allow them to develop um, you know, it's better for a kid for me to be sleeping at home in their own bed, at home with their parents, in their local school, in their education, so that we can keep them here for longer, so that they're more mature. And when they do make that step to go away, that they're ready to live away from home, that they're ready to move into a, a first team environment in a club in the UK or elsewhere. Uh, and that it's not that they're moving to an academy structure. We should have an academy structure in this country that mm. we're proud of. And we have brilliant coaches in this country. The guys mentioned it last week as well. It's just creating the opportunity for these people to well, work full-time in football well, can I bring as you opposed to having to do it on a voluntary yeah, basis. Can, on that general point, and I, I think you've, you've been very consistent on this about um, the change in the League of Ireland. It's becoming a club rather than a sort of a first team now. And all the, the women's teams as well, all the underage women's teams, the, the social media um, stuff in the community and all that. But like we, we had a situation where when Bertie Ahern was teacher, he presented, he presented a Premier League show and that was not abnormal. I saw him at a Pats game in Europe where he had, he, he barely wasn't uh, in, in any way interested in the game. I know, in fairness, Pat Dolan said last week it was a shame that Bertie wasn't, uh, mm. Bertie wasn't still in Fianna Fáil. I think he said he right. wasn't still at the top of Fianna Fáil. He right. could sort of things out in Talca. Well, well, you feel yeah. like Pat to be off the Yeah, well, well but that's his, again, like th- that, that's a nice synopsis because Bertie's obviously a local politician, but like politicians didn't have any interest in the League of Ireland. Um, do you sense there's a sea change now? Because like Nihal Martin's been on off the ball, some of the Sinn Féin TDs, Aidan O'Reardon in Labour and so on and so forth, even and um, Pascal Dunne, who as well, you know, there is more of an interest in the environment. The opportunity there to help the industry here, because we've never had an industry and we need coaches, we need uh, facilities, we need people working and keeping them in this country. Like, surely we can lobby the government and say, listen, this is our opportunity. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we have a really, really good, uh, strong relationship with government at the minute. And for people you do, yeah. out and about at, at games recently, you'll see in the last year, you'll see Minister Chambers at 
vast majority of uh, European games, some of the big games, obviously, you know, from uh, other political levels, you know, we've had the President's Cup. You see President Higgins is a, a regular follower. Oh, he's for a big Galway United man. Like, yeah. he, he can't, he's actually an outlier. He was a massive Galway United fan. He on the show last year. Yeah, he, he's, he's, but, 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 but I, I, I do we're, want... We're giving out to the FEI about not meeting their targets, but to be clear, we're meant to have Michael D for every year for the last yeah, two years. He's, he's been, look at ourselves. He's been a bit of a disgrace. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I think this is important. The government thing... Like and obviously this is the context of we're beholden to the government anyway because of the bailout or whatever you want to call it. But you say the relationship is strong. The relationship is very strong, and we're in constant uh, consultation with the government over uh, these areas and many other areas across Irish football as well. So you know it's 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 not just about the League of Ireland. It's not just about grassroots football. It's not just about the international team. It's all of Irish football combined. And mm. I think there's a real strong will. Uh, from government, as I said, even at, at local government as well, within you know county council structures where we're seeing investments into into stadiums and uh, help for for clubs in development programs, local authorities who uh, co-fund development officer structures. So there's okay. a real support uh, for government for football in this country, and I, I have no fear about that. It's incumbent on us and the clubs uh, to have the right plans in place, and I'm I'm full sure we'll get the backing and support that that'll be required. Do, do you feel? Um you know, it's funny, like I was watching uh, Shells and, and uh, Pats and I was just thinking I'd love to be in the League of Ireland rather than one of the, the great celebrated leagues of Europe because I do feel we could be in a revolution here in terms of where this game is going and there was a great vibe around the ground. Do you feel that this is a special time as much as we have a myriad of problems? Yeah, obviously I'm living and breathing it every day, so you know I'm going to be biased in that area. But certainly I do. I do think I'd see a sea change in that. You know, from from fan behaviour, from uh, government, from you know the clubs themselves, their real willingness to drive everything forward. And and from our point of view within the association, it's the same. The board are very much behind what we're trying to do with the League of Ireland, like on a weekly basis. Myself and Jonathan have been going around the country to all the various different grounds, and like what you're saying there at, in Talca Park. You know, we're at that game that night in Talca Park as well. And everybody's really involved in this level of football and saying this is something we should be proud of. The product on the pitch is, is becoming better and better, I think, every year as well. And the work that goes on behind the scenes within the club is getting better. So we just need to keep continuing to build and develop that brand and that identity of the League of Ireland and make it something that we're proud of. I suppose people just want to, con like, I mean, Shane Robinson last week and his view and the strategic plan was it's just words. You know, he just he wants, people want action. I think Will might even use, Will Clark might use similar words last week. Like, are you conscious of that perception exists of the FAI that this is, a, this is a nice plan, but unfortunately, like a lot of people in the League of Ireland have lived through a lot of plans. We've yeah. sat through Conroy reports and we've sat through Jonathan Gabay and we've sat through a lot of different things. And there was obviously a con, like I understand within the strategic plan, there's a, I understand why the FBI sometimes would feel like, listen, people have a go with us because you put down a target for the third tier, a definitive target, and people say, well, that's not realistic. And then in other areas, you don't really have specific targets. It's more we're going to do a consultation process and you're accused of being vague, right? So I, I do understand where that comes from, but do you accept that there's possibly, there's still the FBI is a little bit of a, or the League of Ireland as such, has a little bit of a hangover of a perception issue that people won't believe it until they see it because of things that have happened in recent years that they really tangibly want to see stuff now in 2025 and it's not going to be enough to just go down, well, we're going to have another consultation process about this that actually... You've now set yourself the targets that people are saying, if this is a new era, we want to see it. Yeah, look, I think I think that's fair. You know, um, strategic plans by their very nature are just words. That's what they are until you start delivering on them. But I think what it sets out is a clear blueprint for the future. 
across all the different six core pillars that were there. So it's incumbent on us now to actually deliver on that plan. And I think we will deliver on it. And obviously the, the proof will be in the pudding then at that stage. And, you know, we'll need to be judged by the end of, of 2025 as to how many of them targets that we achieved within the strategic plan. There's always going to be ones that are aspirational. You're not necessarily uh, going to achieve every single thing within the plan because there can be to be various different external reasons why that won't happen. Uh, but I think we, we will achieve the vast majority of, of everything that we've set out and certainly the ones that are within our control, um, we will. And I think a lot of them, uh, the areas that we've said will be done by 2022 will be done this year. There's a real willingness on behalf of, of the board and of the CEO to ensure that that happens. And like just this week, for example, our new COO, uh, David Carell, started this week as well. So it's going to be a key area of his to push on the strategy. Uh, myself, Jonathan and David had a meeting yesterday over some of this area already. So, you know, straight away into to his first week in the job, we're starting to focus on the areas of the strategic plan. So so I do think we will uh, achieve what's in there. And I do think there's a significant difference to this plan and, and previous plans. Yeah, before we move on to the LOI TV stuff, like, I mean, for example, like the top 30 target by 2025 for the League of Ireland, right? Which is something that, okay, even I think if you got to 32nd, I don't think people would be like, this is a disgrace, they're not 30th. But like, how can the FBI actually affect that? I mean, this is one of these things where, in fairness, I understand why you've been putting the pressure and infrastructure and, and various things to deliver, but how, how can you actually even affect that? I'm sort of curious. Yeah, well, that, that's an area that I suppose comes a knock-on effect to some of the other things that we discussed earlier on. You know, developing that full-time football industry, having a better professional structure, the teams are obviously ho- hopefully going to improve on the pitch and they'll improve within Europe. But, you know, there's been a lot of talk about that with, with the coefficient. I was surprised really with with how much uh, airtime it got over the first couple of days after the strategy. But because it's, it's because, as I said, some stuff were vague, but there was speci- a specific target contained within it, which made it easier to debate. That's yeah. why it got more focus. And it's an area that we want to try to get into. We want to be in the top 30 in Europe, and we want to be able to say that that's where we should be because we believe our league should be within that area. Like this year, for example, with 2.875 in the coefficient this year, we were 32nd of this year just within this year now we know that we're still going to be 40 overall mm. but you know we're one point away which is basically two wins in in, in, a, in a single round so a home win and an away win uh, within a tie of being up in 34th so like we're one one point away from that area now conversely we're 1.125 yeah you were due to go to 48 yeah, at the start of the season like due to go to 46 last year mm. yeah. but again like is that then if you if you fall to forty six? Is that like an FEI failure either? If you know what I mean, like what's the? How are you affecting this? Like as we know, this is like individual clubs' performances. We've had this creating the atmosphere thing in the past, the twenty sixteen, which was just whatever. Like I don't understand what you're actually doing to like to, you talk about the full time thing or whatever. But what what actually can you do to impact on? the improved performances like is it scheduling like what what other things are you looking at to facilitate better european performances people talk about you know how we use money pooling money from europe you know is there ways we can divide it better to there isn't an inequality i just don't understand yeah, well, what think, you can uh, tangibly actually do there i think overall like scheduling is, is is one part of it so for example since we've obviously moved to a calendar season and gone for summer football we've had three teams competing in the group stages of european football so that's over a longer period of time i think if you look at other similar leagues uh, to us that have never competed in the group stages maybe that's a key factor for it they're in their pre-season every time we start so much earlier in european competition because we start in the first rounds obviously than some of the big leagues so having that run into it and having clubs properly prepared will certainly help them get through the first few rounds. Um, like, for example, we know in the pairing of the fixtures that the clubs who are playing each other in Europe, 
uh, are scheduled to play each other during the, the, the first week of European competition. Them games will be moved forward. That'll hopefully give the, the clubs uh, a clear run at the first round where they've no league game between uh, their first their home tie and their away tie uh, in the first round in Europe. So hopefully we're at least getting to that level where the clubs are progressing uh, to the second round. And then from there, the scheduling is, is a difficult one because obviously we've got to, to manage the schedule for all the clubs. For all the other clubs, of course. The yeah, so. so for us to cancel games, which will then mean smaller clubs have to then start travelling midweek to facilitate European Have no team. home game for a month or something. Yeah, yeah no, so, so, what, so again, going back to the likes of the full-time industry and everything else being in place, full-time clubs that are able to do the recovery sessions that have the right nutrition, strength and condition and everything else that works around it, which the vast majority of our, our top clubs who are competing in Europe have, means that they need to be in a situation that they can continue to play two games a week because if they do progress in Europe and they do have aspirations of playing in the group stages, then there's no way of a domestic timetable working out without clubs playing twice a week. Yeah. So yeah. as best as we can facilitate uh, them areas, and, and that will be a lot of work with the clubs. But yeah, it is something that's, that's slightly out of our control, but it's an area that we feel that we, we should be aspirational about and we should be saying and calling out the fact that we want our league to be within the top 30 leagues in Europe. And uh, we don't, uh, settle on the fact that we'll be in the forties. I, I I think like that's fine and and um, you know it is a good aspiration. Just in terms of like when in during the Delaney era, the, you know the the League of Ireland clubs had entered a confidentiality agreement where they didn't know what the sponsorship uh, amounted to for the League of Ireland. Bizarre times, um, but there's been an awful lot of criticism of prize money and that. Like so, if you're a League of Ireland club, uh, you don't get into Europe. Say you're Galway United, right? The Galway United are entirely reliant, effectively, on the Comers, right? So the Comers have to be there to keep this sustainable full-time because the rewards are not there from either TV money or prize money. So, like, how can we get proper prize money in this country? Yeah, well, the vast majority of prize money is going to come from two areas. It's going to come from commercial revenue and broadcasting revenue. Mm. And they're two areas that we're obviously going to target to to increase and part of that increase will come from hopefully developing that League of Ireland brand which again we've we've said we call out in the strategy that we want to continue to develop and grow the brand um, and then as you know we've had various consultations and, and conversations with uh, broadcasters we're still trying to work very hard on that it's not as easy as people think just to get that well, well it's anecdot anecdotally the figures have been shit for the League of Ireland and I'm not blaming RT for this Declan McBain got a lot of a hard time last year but like how, how difficult is it from the inside because I don't see Virgin Media I don't see TG Carr jumping over hoops to get it either like so we kind of have to be realistic here as well it is difficult and, and that's the reality of you know the LOI TV discussion that, that you want to have around that as well that's why we have that product there because it is difficult for us to get the airtime that we require and again in the conversations I've had with, with a lot of leagues across Europe I think people are very naive to actually what a lot of the broadcasting rights are in countries mm. where football is their number one sport it's the only sport that's on uh, their TV stations they can garner uh, a lot of revenue from, from broadcasting rights. We're obviously in a situation where we're competing uh, in terms of, of broadcast space and with a single one national broadcaster with very sort of different field sports. So so it's difficult to get that airtime. I would have 20 rugby against Italy on a Friday night, for example. Like, yeah, who no, would have thought? But, but that's where we're at. That but is where we're but at. But I know, but I think, listen, I think one of the criticisms would be, though, consistency of coverage and mm. getting people to know some of the characters within it like Andrew Brennan we'll move into some of the questions on this like Andrew Brennan what does the FEI allow the league to have a TV deal that annually sees us go three plus months mid-season without a game on terrestrial TV every other league knows a consistent TV slot is essential to build an audience but we don't have that 
Uh, well, I, I think every other league does know that. We know that. But in in order for that to happen, like, do we want to turn down the revenue that we get from RTE, for example? RTE cover uh, 15 games for us in the league. They cover, obviously, the three games in, in the FA Cup with the semi-finals and finals. And RTE are a, a good supporter of the league within that. Ultimately, they have to make their scheduling decisions based on, on the difficulties that Declan and his team have of trying to fit that in. Uh, and it's not a single solution that we should be relying on RTE either. Um, but I think what you'll find is a lot of them other leagues in Europe, and again, I've, I've spoken to these people, some people are getting no rights fee for this whatsoever. There's significant production cost to go into putting a game on TV. And I have other leagues in Europe telling us that clubs are, are arguing with them based on the fact that they're giving away the rights for free on TV and they want to move towards a streaming model or some other way that they can monetize it uh, for themselves. Look to the well. League of Ireland. Oh, we are the streaming well, model of the future. But, but I get that. But I saw the announcement for the games recently, for the games that are coming up in uh, the next while, like Drawed Dundalk is on, St. Pat's Dundalk, and there's another game as well as the Sligo Rovers, maybe Shamrock Rovers might be the other yeah. game. Um, so are we heading into a big summer break this year or are you doing fewer games at the start of the season? Are you on top of where, where we're going to be at? Are we heading into that yeah, big uh, summer hiatus again? We, we, we had this uh, conversation with, with RTE last October, obviously, where they were able to tell us the, the Friday nights that are available and aren't available right throughout the season. So we know where them gaps are. And we will have challenges again during the summer. They've got the uh, UEFA Women's European Championships, for example, on uh, during the summer months as well, where it's, it, it's going to clash with that. There's obviously going to be uh, European games going on at various different times as well and then they've obviously got other sports so it is going to be a scheduling issue again uh, this summer as it always will be for RTE during that time uh, so we do need to look outside the box and we are having uh, conversations with other broadcasters and we'll continue to do so Yeah, Graeme Merrigan asks us about uh, did the FBI have plans to approach Sky in regards to TV and you do have a partnership with Sky Ireland for the women's team which has been hugely successful yeah. Is that something you can look at? We we constantly speak to all broadcasters in the market and we, we're not sitting in, in Abbottstown and deciding that everything is okay and we're happy with the coverage that we get. We're constantly speaking to broadcasters. Premier, Premier Sports, is that another one? All of them. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm just genuinely like, is it something though, again, I don't want to build up unrealistic expectations for people here too. Like you're talking to them, but are we realistically looking at 2023 discussions or is it feasible something can happen this year? Yeah, well, look, let, let's see where it takes us. The broadcast mix is, is more than just live TV as well. You know, it's TV, it's radio, uh, it's streaming services. It's a full broadcast mix that we want to get well, the, the right balance from. I think, you're, I think you're getting to the next point there, which Dan might want to bring up LOITV. So I'm just looking at Jamie McGonigal's goal here. Um, by all accounts, the viewing figures aren't good. For Jamie McGonagall's goal, 212,000 views, right? That's where we're at. That's basically where we're at, whether you like it or not. It's streaming. It's it's online. That's where we're at. So the LOI TV thing, um, I've, I I <laughs> take the piss out of me or not, I would completely defend the paper game model. I think it's abs- we're, we're unbelievably fortunate we can watch any game in either tier for a nominal amount. Forget about 60 quid or 70 quid because that shouldn't exist. But a lot of people are very, very critical of it. Um, and Dan might have a question well, or two yeah, there. There's the... the very good of you, Johnny. Uh, there are. What is, sorry. Why, okay, do, why, why, why do people expect that you could watch how many games multiply by how many teams for like 70 odd quid or whatever? To me, you, well, you, you, you're looking at gift horse in the market. It was 100, I think, to do with the two tiers last year, it would have been 150 or something. Okay, would have been fair combined. Enough, fair I think 60, 70, I would agree with you on that, but it wasn't that. Okay. Um, Donald Dowling, there are 13 EPL games on Sky this month. At the standard rate of 40 euro per month, that works out as 3 euro per game. What market research was taken to land at 
at seven euro per game for LOI TV. That's Premier, obviously, five in, in the first. More than double the cost per game than the EPL. Also have access to all other Sky Sports programming. I'll run through a couple of these. So, uh, Aidan McNeilis, is there any way we can do something for a diaspora? The seven euros add up. We desperately need to keep these people engaged. That, that, um, Aidan has Jason, a fair point Jason Shanahan, uh, what was the thought process behind ridding of the season pass? People living a distance away are now being charged much more. Fans who attend games regularly but want to be able to watch back are far less inclined to do so at five, seven euro a pop. Um, Trevor Gordon um, was agreeing with one of the previous comments please explore the lack of season pass options and the general nonsense that it's best not to have the domestic game available on TV based on an old fashioned idea that less people go to games, will go to games which is a fundamental misunderstanding of our product because I was looking back to your interview you gave it the, the league launch, I wasn't in it but I, I saw the transcript of it and you did say the season pass would obviously discourage people buying season tickets for their clubs and possibly hit attendances where is that coming from? Is there research or information that sort of supports that view? Yeah, well, uh, first of all, let, let's take back... Sorry, well, if you want to deal with any of those points, apologies. Yeah, yeah. Let's take streaming back as far as, as, as 2019, first of all. So we're in a situation in, in 2019 where we had no streaming service whatsoever. We had the games that were live on TV or you went to the game, that's it. We're now in a situation where you can watch any game in this league if you want to watch the game. right? So first of all, I think that's a fundamental step forward that we've made. Secondly, in 2020, when the streaming service came in and, and RTE and Watch LOI uh, came on board to make that happen in a very short period of time, um, I think, you know, there was obviously huge criticism from the fans in, in terms of various different areas that they weren't happy with. For example, you know, second cameras, wanted replays, wanted co-commentators, yeah. wanted pre-match interviews, wanted half-time information. We've now provided a lot of that as well. So if you're in a situation that you get a game on LOI TV right now, you'll get pre-match interviews. We also cut them, put them out on social media to obviously try promote the games as well. Uh, you'll get two camera angles minimum for all the games. You're going to get co-commentators and commentators who are very knowledgeable and professional uh, about the league and the clubs are providing that and doing a fantastic job of doing it. We, we still get some comments in regarding oh, biased commentators or whatever, but there's a lot of passion there within yeah. in the commentators and I think it's, it's, it's really useful and it's a, it's a good variance of people that's there. Uh, at half time in the game you'll get an around the grounds from the other games that anybody who was watching uh, Monday night whereas the first night we actually had five premier games on on, on LOI TV on the one night uh, this season because of, of the RT games and so on so you could get an around the grounds from, from the goals that were going in there um, and then obviously after the game you're going to get highlights the next day that are done because of the streaming service that we do and then you get a free highlight show uh, that goes out on the Monday that again people are clamouring for now all of that comes at a significant cost and for us to be able to put in a situation where we had a season pass, we're not going to be able to cover the cost uh, of that situation with the season pass model because the vast majority uh, of people who were getting the season pass then were obviously getting it for the club that they supported. Like when it was in 2020 and 2021, they were getting it as part of season ticket offers, for example, with the clubs. Yeah. Now that was done very much in consultation with the clubs in order to encourage the person still to buy their membership or season ticket for the club. So the club had the revenue to get through the difficult period we had with COVID-19 to make sure that they had enough revenue coming in uh, to obviously be able to pay players. Do you, think the Irish, the club. Do, you, do you think the Irish supporter habits are, are as such that people would buy a season ticket to watch the game on streams and 
instead of buying a season ticket for their club. I find it very hard to believe. I, I, don't, I don't think we would have saw quite the level uh, of season ticket purchases that we had this year within clubs if we had a season pass on LOA TV because I think what, what people... Really? You believe that? Yeah. I, I do, yeah. I think I think what people would have done in, in a lot of cases... Now, obviously, like you know, we get criticism for, for this, I'm sure, because we'll have individual people who say, no, I wouldn't have done that. Well, that's fine. Not everybody would have. Like We're very passionate League of Ireland fans we'd buy our season ticket and we'd buy our LOA TV season ticket, but not everybody will. And what we want to encourage is obviously more people actually uh, going and attending the games. And if you flip that model around and you create a season ticket all the time for LOA TV, then the habit may become that they buy the season ticket for that and the occasional ticket for the match. So whichever game I'll go to, I'll do it. Even at a marked up, what about a marked up? Like I think, in fairness, it was a very reasonable price last year, the LOI TV. I, I do take your point generally. People had nothing like this a couple of years ago and there is sometimes a tendency within the League of Ireland sort of fraternity or whatever to you give an inch and you take a mile and everyone wants everything. I do accept that, but... The streaming situation was also created in remarkable circumstances where people couldn't go to games. But now society is reopened and people who aren't going to games on Friday and Saturday nights, like we've talked about within Dublin, the the, the condensed nature of the league this year, there's actually not that many long trips. Like, like where are all these people who aren't going to go to games but are going to watch it instead? You know, watch it at home instead for like seven euro a pop. I'm just, I'm curious as to where... The, the thinking behind it is yeah well I think uh, what about a marked up sorry what about a marked up season ticket like I appreciate very good value but what about an even more expensive one then uh, uh, so people might then go well, I'm not sure about that but I will just do the, the per match but uh, you know it's as you know people I know this myself in my work getting people to pay and, and individually input you know again and again and again to do it it tends to discourage them from having to do it on a, on a more, you know, to, to be asked to do it sort of 20 times a season, a little individual transaction. They tend to just pick and choose a little bit more. So I'm interested in the, the thinking behind it. Yeah, potentially. But look, ultimately, the, the, the thinking behind it um, was a consultation with the clubs. And the clubs fundamentally didn't want the season pass to be in place because uh, they were worried about their attendances. Um, and you know, All the clubs? We're not going to say all the clubs for any. Clubs will have various different opinions um, on their areas. But as a collective, as a group, in the decision that was made, like we have the National League's committee, the NLC, that's in place. Uh, to help make decisions like this and then any of the broadcasting rights and whatever we do with broadcasting rights we would we would consult with the clubs and we'd have to make sure that that decision is passed by the NLC at the time so everything that we've done around uh, the various different models for for LOA TV was done with with that discussion with the with the clubs and with the NLC and that's where we came to the model that it was and and you know we had a situation whereby smaller clubs for example felt that everybody who had a season pass was able to get that season pass and then wouldn't come to an away game in Finn Harps or in But Finn Harps Sligo specifically said that wasn't their opinion. They, I actually wrote something about that and people from Finn Harps were offended and they said their club position was not that. But the, the various, I'm not going to go into the ins and outs of each of the different club positions. Without, you can discuss it with the clubs if you want it. The overall situation for LOA TV was the clubs did not want the season pass. So the, the model that we developed... Uh, in terms of now clubs had various different models where they said well can we just do a home season pass mm. only and can we do this so it's not that they they, they wanted not that every club wanted the pay-per-view no, I get model there's complications that we have, with that but yeah. there's huge and then there's development costs and how that's done within a website then there's the issues that we have obviously over the likes of piracy there's the issues that we have with people I can't go to the game tonight but there's my password but that's, ma- but that's that massive like, I mean I was sent this by someone who the other day who says they've watched their two clubs uh, their club play the opening two games 
and they haven't paid a single pop because it's on the all these IPTV services. Mm, yeah. And I, I'm looking at it here. Like I, I don't have one. I, I like to record stuff, so I don't have an illegal streaming service, right? But it's uh, you just see it like Derry City, Shamrock Rovers. Yeah, that, that, and, that, and they said if there was a season pass, I know you can you can someone anecdotally can tell you their life story, and I get it. But this has to be because there's loads of people are using these things. Yeah, but that that's football worldwide, and that's an issue. Like we've actually discussed this again with other leagues and broadcasters. Actually, only one who, who was on to us yesterday about the areas to. Try try and, and stamp out this but this isn't an issue that we're going to solve within the League of Ireland but um, you there know, is a bit the, of a moral the, question with this sorry isn't there I mean there whatever, whatever about like not con- contributing to like a Man United sub getting 200 grand a week if you're watching this stuff on a stream rather than giving 5 euro to your local League of Ireland club you should have a little talk to yourself about this because clubs uh, have struggled 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 and one of the reasons for this is because they're actually trying to make themselves somewhat sustainable so like fair enough if you can't you know stop the tide with the pitchfork of this but pay 5 euro to your local League of Ireland club to watch a stream I would argue that's the justifiably moral thing to do here yeah, but also remember that you, that, that five euro that you're talking about or seven euro in the Premier Division, that's the price per household, not per person. Mm. So you're watching that game at home that may previously have cost you if you were bringing a family 30, 40 quid to go to a game. You've obviously got your cost to go to the game. You may spend money at the game. So you're getting that straight into your home in a situation where you can't actually get to the game. Now, again, I know from a situation on where I wasn't able to get the games in the past that I would have loved to be able to just mm. have that uh, game live on TV that I can go uh, I can go and watch the game one, one other thing very quickly on that so like Sligo Rovers figures last season suggested that they were doing very well out of streaming um, and I, I remember I was I was kind of slagged when I brought up the stream that started COVID and to be fair after, after a while I was like there's actually no money in this but seemingly there might be so can clubs actually sort of monetize it a bit yeah, well, I, I think, again, what we what we had with a lot of the clubs last year was a lot of real goodwill in terms of the production and, and how that was done. Mm. Uh, a lot of uh, people who had expertise within their clubs came together to be able to do that, and particularly in the areas of commentary and co-commentary. So where clubs could cut costs in that area, it was able to help them uh, monetize it in, in the long run. But overall, to set up everything that we do around LOITV between the website itself, uh, between a single streaming company being able to do all the Premier Division games, uh, the whole aspect of, of, of the, the payment model and everything else that goes into it, including the highlight show and everything else. There's a significant cost to that. And for us to be able to put that out there, obviously we want to be able to have it uh, there every week. We want it to be here for the future because we want to make sure that this can help us grow and develop the brand. But that comes at a cost. And people, a lot of the situation here are looking, us, looking for us again to give away the product for free yeah. or to give away it at a really discounted price because they want to get them and they're comparing you know, various different models from other leagues across Europe. You mentioned an EFL ones there, for example. There's no comparison there. We're not comparing like with like yeah. in that scenario. But we are in a situation that I believe we're envy of a lot of the, the smaller leagues around where we have an opportunity to watch every single one of our games. A lot of clubs in other leagues wouldn't actually give them rights away for that to happen in mm. the first place. I think our clubs have, have come on board and said, we all want this to happen. I, I have to laud them for that. I really but, do. But, I, but I really um, do. Do you, is the idea of a season pass or a half season pass, whatever, is that off the table then or are you like are you willing to revisit that or? yeah no I don't I don't think anything's off the table in the long run I think what, what people are forgetting is we move from a situation with no fans and the season pass being the most common sense thing to do at that point because people had already bought season tickets for clubs in the pandemic then we moved into last year where we had a huge uncertainty over would it be attendances will it be limited attendances again the season pass made a lot of sense we're now in a situation where we're three weeks into the new season for us to be able to 
have a look or three game game days into the new season, not even three full weeks, to, for us to be able to have a look at how the single pay-per-view model works over the course of the season. And what we've seen from the first couple of weeks is we've seen you. really strong numbers uh, in terms of that. We've seen, obviously, in terms of crowds at games, it's been great. We've had sold-out games. We've had sold-out away sections in particular, which has been great. And the streaming numbers have been good. So we're they have been, I was going to ask you about the streaming yeah, numbers. What's they, the they have, they, they, they have they've been good, but you have to remember in, in week one, for example, we had a game live on RTE, which is obviously you know free for, for everybody to watch and people are watching that on, on their TV. And we obviously had uh, two Premier Division games postponed and a First Division game postponed. In week two, we obviously had a First Division game postponed and a big match again on RTE. So Monday night, we had five Premier Division games on. I said that the first time that we've, we've had that situation where there wasn't a game live on TV, but again, that was in relation to a midweek fixture. So we need to spot these trends as they go on for the next five, uh, six weeks in particular and, and for the next five, six months really until the end of the season. And then by then we can have a really clear picture of how a streaming model looks like in the League of Ireland after a season with full attendances, so crowds being allowed back in. How does do the attendances drop? Do the attendances continue to rise? What's the uh, away attendances as they go on? How does the streaming go? Is it stronger in February? Is it stronger in May? You know, is there more people coming in from overseas? Is there less people now because of the single game pass? So we've got to be allowed to have that opportunity to do the first five or six months of this. Yeah, research. no, I, I get that. I think that's fair. I mean, I, I, I also I, very briefly, like uh, streaming a game with 4,000 at it is a lot better than streaming a game with nobody at it. It's a far better experience to actually stream a game because... Oh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, well that's true, Johnny, but like, you know, we know from our experience that people have to pay money to watch that stream. I don't know if they're going to be affected by knowing there's going to be a crowd there or not. Like it's, generally, it's, 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 generally it's a far better product. In, like. Yeah, but you're generally tapping into the audience of people who uh, who are... Well, well put, it, put it this way. If I, I wouldn't, people I, aren't I'd going be, to pay I'd, seven I'd, euro I'd, to I'd, be curious about something. I'd be reluctant to pay money to stream a game with nobody there because I think it's shite, like, basically. And the only reason I did that during COVID because I couldn't get out of the house, basically. So right now, I think it's far better. Like, there was a really good atmosphere at some of the games I've streamed. Turner's Cross was rocking on the stream. Yeah. And it was a good but product. But you're a hardcore Galway fan, so you're always Fair pay for that so I'm just Fair I don't enough. think that's the the new market experience that we're talking about yeah but Dan um, in, in previous times them hardcore Galway fans could not watch that game if they couldn't get to no I ex- and that's brilliant right but I think that the, the point uh, my only point in the season pass is and I understand the like the, the I understand this whole thing about home passes and away passes and I, it sounds great in theory but I'd imagine the algorithm for each individual user I just don't know how you would even manage that it'd be difficult but I, w- I would say I've spoken to a lot of people who would buy a season ticket but they would love being able to watch your teams away games and probably would have paid for the pass and would have watched other teams play and, and we're gaining knowledge about other teams but they will not they're not going to pay seven euro to watch Sligo on the dock this Saturday yep. but they might have watched the game if they had the pass mm. so I think there's obviously okay, but they might have done but again the last two years don't tell us by the viewers the figures yeah, of people true. buying season it passes, wasn't good enough that it was yes it wasn't good exactly. enough this is the point not enough people bought it in the first place if, the, if people if enough people if there was 20, 30, 40,000 people buying season passes season passes would have remained yeah, but they didn't. So the people haven't bought the amount of season passes. So in order for this to be commercially viable and for us to continue with a product that people want, and we're trying to get the best out of what everybody wants here, we can't keep every single person happy for their individual one. Like I, I get a tweet on Friday night, for example, going, "It's a disgrace. I had COVID and now I can't watch the game." <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> you literally can. You yeah, pay but, five or seven. But, euros. but they, they want the season pass as part of because yeah. they have a season I ticket for the club. Just passed yeah. since Mick Bennett. Um, but he's, he's, he's but, defending the. No, but see, people people want everything for free online now. It's like no, well, as, as you mentioned. But, that's, the, but that's, this is part of the issue of getting people mm. to pay every time. So this is yeah. a bit of a roundabout around We're nearly finishing up anyway. But there's, 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 there's layers to it. it. it but you but are what, saying it will be reviewed. Exactly. Yeah. So what I'll say is let us work through the next couple of months. Let us see what the viewing figures are like. Let us see how it impacts it. 
let us spot the trends over what happens and then at that point we'll review it again alongside the clubs and what do the clubs want to do then at that point as we get to you know towards the mid-season if we go into next year what we want fundamentally is for this to be a commercially viable product so we can keep it here for people in the future yeah and we want to be able to push and promote the brand now we can't do that if we keep giving everything away like the highlight show for example again you know, you mentioned people say they want to watch every other game and all. Well, the reality is on, on a Friday night, if nine games are on at the same time, you can't watch every game. You could do that in the Watch LOI days because we spread out kickoffs because everyone was at home. So yeah. two o'clock and five o'clock and seven o'clock. So you really are choosing probably one game a week. Or if you watch a game on a Friday night and then there happens to be a, a Sligo or a Longford game on a Saturday, you might tune in and you'll, you'll watch that mm. game as well. Great. So you'll buy an additional game. But we, we can't be able to be in the position that everybody's going to have access to every single game at that time. It just wouldn't be commercially viable in any way. So creating the highlight show, again, was important. Again, we're working from a very limited budget and be able to do that. Yeah, no, I accept that. that the highlight show, again, and, and I'm, I'm conscious, was there any thought to putting that on... Because uh, it's behind the LOI TV, you have to register to do it. I understand yeah. the thinking behind that. I'm very aware of that. And again, in my work, how these things work. But was there any consideration to doing more putting out on YouTube or Facebook as a package, if you know what I mean. Is it possible that you could go to stations with that highlight show or not? Like, what's the sort of the future for that? Yeah, again, like, there are possibilities with that to go to stations and stuff in the future to, to see how that works and see how it develops. Like, we've uh, we, we've did the third show on today, so that will continue. Which is good to, to have the midweek show because, yeah, that was important. Yeah, and that's, we didn't want to shoehorn uh, midweek fixtures into the end of next week's show or whatever. We wanted something standalone yeah. for that. Like, and we have a chance to grow and develop this and the ideas that will come in, like, we're really interested in listening and we, we own this product as a league, as the club. So let, let us try develop it. Let's work with people to see we, how we can make it better. But, the, the point of having it on LOI TV again like we need to drive people to the platform we need to understand our audience we need to have uh, that data and to be able to speak to people so whether it's a mailing list that goes out to tell people about the League of Ireland in general about LOI TV games coming up uh, just putting it on YouTube and Facebook in some ways yes great it, you say it opens it up to a wider audience but when we do the analytics on that, then we're saying, well, average viewing time is 10 seconds or 15 seconds. Yeah. They've clicked on, they've clicked well, off. Whereas now we know that, yeah, what yeah, the average yeah, viewing time in, is. In fairness to Declan sure yeah. McBain as well. Sorry, Johnny, just, yeah. just to finish on that point, going back to the average viewing time, that goes back again to one of the questions around the season pass. When we looked at the average viewing time as part of the research done last year, the average viewing time for the games was in around 10 minutes. Because what's happening is people are sitting, they're getting a notification on live score and they're switching from, you know, Bose Pats the other night over to Shamrock Rovers draw the other night okay. and they'll go oh there's a goal let's switch to this one let's switch to this one so we're trying to get it more into a situation whereby we're understanding are people actually watching the game itself and are they tuned into that particular game that's the game they want to focus on if they want bits and pieces of everything then bits and pieces of everything come from social media and the highlight show but if you want to watch the game that's what the game is. That I, I, I'd love, I'd love people's concentration spans generally in life. Yeah, crap this, this, is, this is another thing. People watching live games are on Twitter every two seconds, the, are on their phone texting about, oh, what a great chance. Why didn't you watch the game? Like, and I'm as guilty as anyone, but like, in fairness, Declan McBennett did say, like, uh, actually, that night is too late um, because people basically they watch the goals and then, like, Soccer Republic obviously fell into a hole. But, like, fortunately, highlight shows, Dan, are going to, like, really, really struggle going forward on because everyone has seen the goals, they just won't watch them. Like, and I think that is a problem if we're if well, not. Yeah. 
right, there's layers. If it were an RT, people probably wouldn't watch it. There's and that's, that problem remains. There's layers to that, yeah. I think I think the one, just to find... Got to get a match. You've got to get a goal of the month, though, and a good, good, good tune behind the goal, goal of the month. Goal of the month's coming out today, yeah, stuff, stuff like oh, that, I, I think it'd be should, at least... You guys should have had a... That should do well online. You guys should have had a briefing meeting beforehand. Yeah, but, yeah but, goal of the month's coming out the AFC, you'll see that. But just last thing on this... Yes. Yeah. 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 That's. I think that's. That's a last that's, thing on this because I think the concern people would have with this mark would be. <laughs> sorry, Johnny. You feel like you've got a concession. Like you've got a concession to bring it back to your people. But <laughs> the, the 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 concern people would have had about the the season pass is that there's a feeling that um, is this almost been set up to fail that at, at, that if at the end of the season the numbers aren't there and I think people acknowledge there's a significant outlay in taking some of these things on board right i think people have to whatever the criticism exists people have to say that is a commitment to take that on and i think that's not cheap to do i know that but the fear would be if the numbers are bad then yeah. that becomes the rationale for scaling no, back I, I, I got them comments uh, completely opposite of that dan really i mean if you see the incredible amount of work that's gone in behind the scenes to get loa tv up and running first last it's year it's a big job to take on it's huge and like keen nelson our club development manager within in the league department has done a huge amount of work on this that it's almost consumed nearly a full-time role within the association to do it. There's a massive amount of work gone in in the background for this to happen. It's a huge amount of work that's gone on with the clubs to get us to where we are now. And we're trying to keep making gradual improvements uh, on that all the time, and we will. But this product and how this has been set up this year has been set up in such a way that it's here for the future. So it's complete opposite. It's certainly definitely not set up to fail. If it was set up to fail, the easy option for us was a very easy option was for us not to do it or for allow clubs to have some other different model or whatever it is that would have taken a huge amount of work and resources away from our point of view this is set up to help develop and grow the brand in general and we'll continue to evolve with that pricing structures and everything else we look at you know we still again if you look to, to a lot of other leagues and single packages for matches we're seeing like you know 10 pounds sterling for a lot of games whether it be in the uk or up the north or in scotland look or whatever the GA prices as well like yeah for uh, there'd be no like so, I, I i was paying like 10 euro to watch a, a ladies club game and you fewer, did it, fewer, yeah. fewer games per season though it must be that's said. true there's that's a championship true. angle yeah, for that so that's I true that's no absolutely and but but look again and the overseas elements being mentioned earlier on that's certainly an area obviously that we continue to want to look at but from a, Again, Could you do an overseas have, pass? Was that well, with well, the, well, with the well, VPNs we can, and stuff? but every single person knows how to crack a yeah. VPN or pass mm, yeah. on their password or whatever else mm. it is. And, and this is a fundamental problem with it, is the likes of piracy and what people are doing uh, with that causes us a problem in trying to create them different models. But again, people who are overseas, if you were overseas in the past, whether you went in your two-week summer holidays and you couldn't, couldn't watch your League of Ireland match, or whether you lived overseas and you came home for one or two games a year, like my brother lives in Egypt, for example. I was over with him. Um, That's the, the UN guy, is it? Yeah, and, and, and he's over in, in Cairo and he's able to watch a game every single week. He's delighted. He's able to watch the highlight show. He wouldn't have got that in the past. It is. Uh, before you he go, can't watch all the replays of all the yeah. other games and playback if he wants to spend ten hours doing it. Some people I know like, um, <laughs> do it well, on Monday or Tuesday. But yeah, okay, but, but, that is but, the extreme. But, but then, but then, take that number of people that are doing that and say, can we realistically create a product for that number of people? There's no, not a number of people. I, I, I do accept the point. Product. Listen, Mark, we said we'd let before Mark you go. go. Yeah, just, so we have rapid, rapid fire questions we want to get through. Yeah, it, lastly, for me, actually, just what's really what's the atmosphere like in the FAI? You've come through a very very turbulent period. What's the atmosphere like um, working there? Is it on the improve? Um, um, you you know people staff have obviously had a difficult time cutbacks so on and so forth what's it like there now yeah I think very positive I think most people are, are pushing on with the future again the strategic plan was a big element of that and we now have a, a blueprint for all the departments to work off but certainly within the League of Ireland department in general uh, our staff incredibly hard working um, and really enthusiastic and passionate about the league so you know I've got a relationship with Jonathan really as well future excellent I mean Jonathan's 
been brilliant since he, he came in. I mean, you guys, I'm sure, have seen him out and about at all the games. He's a real passion for the league. He loves uh, the football within the league. He loves being able to get round to the clubs and, and meet the people that are there and understand more about the challenges that have occurred in the League of Ireland over the last number of years. So there's a real drive and passion uh, from Jonathan, from the board, uh, from everybody within the association to see the league grow and develop. So I, I'm really enthusiastic and, and looking forward to the future and what it holds. So I'm always wary of CEOs talking about going out to meet people at clubs, but I think, yeah, as I said, like there's a, you know, it's, it's more about actions than sort of uh, thought wops. But I think I, I would hope things are very much different this time. Um, so rapid fire questions. We know you need to go. We need to go. So uh, as quickly as possible, is the League Cup ever going to come back? Uh, again, that's a part of the competition structures discussions of what will happen. The, you know, potential third tiers and coming into the mix can potentially change what that will will look like. There's there's various different options for it to happen. It's certainly not dead in the waters, but again, going back to scheduling issues and, and clubs looking yeah. to play games. Is a longer season? The, the World Cup is a factor this year, I guess. Yeah. But do you have an optimum season without the World Cup next year? If you know what I mean, like what could that be? Yeah, we're working through next season's uh, schedule at the minute and the structures, and obviously we've got to work back off an end date from sort of international breaks and and, and cup finals and things like that you know this year for example we introduced um, a, a new uh, fixtures provider a company that we got involved so we could uh, put in a lot more research and uh, work into how the actual fixtures were developed so that was needed a whole program to replace in. Michael Hayes <laughs> exactly I mean, that's yeah. hard yeah. yeah yeah unfortunately we lost that expertise when, yeah. when Michael went but yeah we, we introduced um, a, a new provider there that that do a lot of the, the fixtures for leagues across Europe and it's been really successful because we've been able to put in all the various different constraints the fixture pairings what we can do what we can't do uh, we have to bring the Women's National League and the underage leagues into the mix, the use of stadiums and facilities. And I think there's a huge amount uh, that goes into that and how the fixtures are, are actually set out. Yeah. We also spoke with the uh, with the PFAI and we also spoke with the uh, the managers as well uh, in the league in consultation for putting that structure together so that we could understand and explain how this season was going to work and, and how next season would work then after that as well. So Conscious, I, even on that scheduling, like for example, in the next TV run, like just two Rovers, Bowes games, not on TV. Like, is there any particular reason for that? Is is just RTE preference, your dates? Are they good games to have on streaming or is there any particular rationale behind that? Yeah, some of the things is just unavoidable when we've such limited TV dates to be able to put in. Like when you've got the parents of, particularly with so many clubs in Dublin, for example, this year, who can play at home on the yeah, same night yeah, with Gardaí yeah. and everything else that goes into it. So yeah, it's just... They're a, premium games. Like it's a shame they're not on TV, but I understand people will have their different views around that. Uh, we had a couple of comments about the Women's National League, like DJ Lee, what's his views on the branding of the WNL and LOI and Sean O'Cook? sort of someone who's been very much involved in the game when will we finally see LOI women teams being allowed to sign players as semi-pros the league does start this weekend we, you know, this, we don't necessarily cover it on this show it's more of the men's league of Ireland but I know there is WNL sort of material that, that covers that very well so yeah, well, I think but, but we should mention that because it's a question that's come into us yeah I think the two of them we've, we've sort of covered already in different ways so the Women's National League with the brand and with the League of Ireland we mentioned that the overall League of Ireland brand will be the Men's League the Women's League and the Underage Leagues the community elements it will all come under the one brand and that's the division that we want to have that's what our department currently caters for and that, that's, that's what we'll do with the rebrand exercise um, is uh, in relation to the semi-professional contracts area like again I mentioned earlier on about creating a full-time football industry and moving away from some of the mistakes potentially made within men's football whereby we chased paying players full-time before we had structures within the club so to set off that process in the Women's National League we had the licensing club licensing introduced for the first time last year where we put clubs through the process on a sort of non-binding process to find out how far they were away from the standards that we felt would be required to tie us in line with the um, women's European club licensing with UEFA. So that process is ongoing and will we'll run alongside the men's club licensing this year. 
Um, and then developing that structure, as I said, where the clubs actually, in some cases in the Women's National League, say weren't properly set up as legal entities, for example, or they weren't, um, you know, football clubs that had all that other criteria in place with licensing that we'd need to take the next steps yeah. to go semi-professional. So, you know, we, what we don't want to be is a situation where we have uh, one or two clubs who've one or two contracts handed out and say, isn't this great? We're semi-professional. We want to be able to do it on a basis whereby uh, it's long-term sustainable for the league and that the clubs have a structure in place that this is here to stay in the future. But that's 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 a definitely a big target and ambition. And that's what Yeah, because you talk about the team and not a club. Like there's, there would be like some good League of Ireland clubs at the moment who don't have a women's team. Mm. Is that feasible in the future? Like, do you think you would yeah, be so, almost requirement territory? Yeah, so as part of the, again, as part of club licensing this year, what the clubs had to do was submit a five-year development plan for women's football. So again, what we don't want is, is clubs just saying, we want to have a senior team and go straight into the Women's National League. We want them to build up. And if you look at a lot of the work we're doing with various different clubs around, if you look at... Uh, Waterford, if you look at Cove Ramblers, Shamrock Rovers, Dundalk, uh, Bray Wanderers, they're all in the women's underage national leagues at the minute, either at 17s and 19s or 17s and moving towards 19s. And it's about building it up because that player pool and player base isn't the same at senior level in women's football as it would be obviously at senior level in men's football. So again, making it long term sustainable, we're building it up from the 17s to 19s into senior level. But all the clubs have, have submitted us their five year development plans and, and we'll work with them. Can't beat a five year uh, plan. So. Yeah. So, uh, so there we go. So yeah. they're developing their structures up, and and that's where again, as part of the strategy, we'll see a second tier being introduced in the women's national league when them clubs are ready to to step into senior level when the players have come through their underage structures. That's good stuff. But I think are we think are we done, Johnny? Yeah, I think I think that's we it. Yeah. that, Marco. We'll bring you in this time next year. We'll play back our discussions there, and we'll see. It's like the old KPI culture and this <laughs> this corporate speak that everyone has to like engage in now. That. Um, no, we do appreciate you coming in and actually taking the time to answer the questions and I think all the all the comments that we've received, I think they all come from a good place as well too, that people sort of want the league to get to a better position and hopefully we're able to talk about things that have happened in a year's time. You can have like, yeah, last word to you actually. Yeah, no, look, absolutely. I think that that's a key point. You know, everybody who listens to your pod and I do on it on a weekly basis as well as as well as the other league of Ireland pods. Throw that in there now. We're, yeah. We listen to all the podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're we're obviously all fans and passionate about the league, and we want to drive it forward. But what we need to do collectively, as your group of listeners, as us, the media, the clubs, everybody in the FAI and the league department in particular, is that we want to bring that to the wider audience. So we know we have the passionate fan base. We know we have the hardcore one, but it's the wider football audience that we want to try and engage. And, and you know, we'll only do that when we work collectively um, and do it together. And I think we've taken a lot of the right steps on towards that. There's a lot more work to be done. We know that. Uh, we know we're going to be judged on, on what happens over the next couple of years, but we're fully confident that uh, working together with the, the various different things we've discussed throughout this, that, that we will achieve that and we'll grow to a wider audience. So hopefully it's a bright future. Thanks for coming in, Mark. Thanks, Mark. Thanks very much to Mark. We're going to wrap up the show because we have gone on here. This is the mystery voice for this week. Roxanne, you don't have to put on a red light. Roxanne, you don't have to put on a red light. And all you have to do is obviously respond on Instagram yeah. and Twitter. Thanks very much to uh, the Porterhouse. Yeah, uh, Instagram is LOI Central Pod, we should say. Mm. If people aren't following us there because we have bigger following on Twitter. But we're getting good responses oh, from people on, on, on Instagram. Instagram. So um, find us on LOI Central Pod. We should say we had a lot of questions in that debate. And we, the minute Mark walked out in the room, oh, we yeah. were like, 
Oh, the fireworks issue. Very briefly, because yeah, I know, I know, um, fan issue, fan trouble has become um, very much in vogue, really, uh, in England and to an extent in Ireland. Unfortunately, now I did mean to bring that up. Yeah, there was issues. Say, it might look like we bottle it or something, mm. but genuinely a mistake. We went. It was quite a long chat. As people who have stuck with us all the way through will tell you. So uh, we are sorry, but I do think we, we have the chance to get people back and ask these questions in the future. <laughs> Fixtures on Friday Fixtures at the weekend. We Starting have, with the first division, Cove Treaty, going out of Waterford, big one in Terryland. I'll be making my return. In Wexford at loan. I'm predicting three and a half thousand. In Are you going to make it, Johnny? To the game? Yes. Have, have, which have you gone more to of this year? Have you gone to more Six Nations games or League of Ireland games? Jesus Christ, Dan. Have you met two home Six Nations I've games? I've been at two Six Nations. How games. many League of Ireland games? Have uh, you could be no, competitive. Could be one. Yeah. That's just you have to sort that out. Son. I didn't enjoy either situation. Longford versus Cork <laughs> City on uh, the start of Longford season of eventually, and obviously I mentioned Wexford at Longtown. That's on Saturday night. The Longford game, draw the UCD, big game already. Pat Shamrock yeah, free, free entry to draw the UCD. Yes, um, so it's definitely Con- definitely Hoy. cheaper to do that than stay at home and watch it for <laughs> the seven quid. Um, you're definitely, you're seven quid up if you go into the stadium. St. Um, Pat's Athletic Shamrock Rovers will be a feisty one. Uh, Shelburne Derry City. Finn Harps, Bohemians, and on Saturday, another cracking game, Sligo versus Dundalk. I, I love the nature of the League of Ireland season. Every every week is really, I do really like I do like how it started. I think there's a good spread of players and storylines, but there's obviously, I had some correspondence with people after Monday night, people involved in the league. There's still like, how are the levels? Like, what, what where is it at? So yeah. there's, there's, there's yeah. a debate to be had there and, and there's possibly... Kudos to UCD as well. Flag. Two clean sheets in a row and caused Shamrock Rovers more problems than other teams already. So UCD are no back yeah. Yeah, and, and as the point has been made to me and I saw it on Monday uh, that used to lead there's a perception of them oh they're a nice team and they play but this team actually mixes it up a bit yeah and um, the young boy centre back as well only 17 yeah he's um, going to get a bit of um, I think he's going to get a bit of coverage this season because uh, two clean sheets in a row for a team that can see which, which one of the two are you talking about ah uh, should I'm not great uh, with my UCD names at the moment they have two young centre backs haven't they Yoro? Yeah, Yoro, sorry. Is that the one you're yeah, talking about? Yeah, he's 17, I think. Is he 17? Yeah, yeah okay. Uh, and yeah. I stand corrected if I'm wrong on that. Um, but yeah, Andy Myler uh, has made a really good start. And I like the fact that UCD are going to... I think they're going to be Yoro was 18, yeah. He's 18. Yeah. Sorry, I apologize for that. So uh, UCD are going to be very competitive. And um, yeah, as mentioned, first division uh, uh, bumper crowds to start it off. And thanks to everyone uh, that we mentioned earlier on the show that are helping us through the season. Um, obviously, get your suit and collar and cuff. Free shirts and tie with your so, suit. <laughs> sort yeah, out your you mentioned get a few Central. get a few beers and you get your mystery voice future ticketing um, for all your ticketing needs we'll yeah. have Malone's back on as well for some yeah. uh, financial reviews and, and, uh, at some stage as well thanks too. very much to um, Mark for coming in and we will be back next week